0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Winter is officially here, folks. It snowed in my neighborhood the other day, and I don't like it. You're listening to episode number 572. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Winter is coming. Aaron Amos is also here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And later on in the show, Mr. Uh, Joseph Brachino will be joining us for our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. That's right. Uh, We'll be talking about the latest Marvel movie later on, reviewing things as we normally do when these movies come out. Uh, At which point we will stop the recording, grab Joey, come back, and do the remainder of the show. We will go through the spoiler rules then. We have what will hopefully be an abbreviated or abridged version of the podcast this week. We'll see. We'll see. I said that last time and the show ended up being three hours. Um. I don't got much in uh in terms of lightning round stuff. I'm uh, I'm going through it right now, comic book wise. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It felt kinda um, weak too, though. Wasn't I feel lot. like I need a I need a shot in the arm, I need a slap oh, we'll in the face, I need oh, something. No, we won't give you that. <laughs> we'll you give could. it the shot in the arm. I'd probably like it. Um let's see. <laughs> We have lightning rounds. You know what? I don't. I don't feel bantery tonight. I think we're going to get right into it. Oh,
2: I like your banter, but okay, we'll we'll, maybe we'll take that up later. I mean, you know, a lightning round,
0: perhaps. Yes, or my lightning round might feel a little too long if we do that. Then you want to do it now? Yes. All right, let's do it now. Let's get into it. Here's the thing, folks. Um, You may or may not know, Bronwood and I are trying to buy a house (laughs) not have a baby buy a house uh yes we are we are trying to take over the house that we're in now so we are in purge mode getting rid of everything in the house that we don't necessarily need and maybe a few things that we do need just because they take up a lot of space like our treadmill or our giant suit of armor no uh, no no oh it's going it's going this weekend Lance is moving on to uh, other pastures. Oh, man. No, this has been this has been a long time coming because uh, pre-pandemic, the last Christmas before the pandemic, our Aunt Tish, we gifted the suit of armor to her. But the plan was for her to come and visit, as she normally does, hang out with us for a weekend and then strap Lance to her truck and drive it back Mm to Ottawa, where she lives. Uh, we have not been able to have Tish out because of COVID and things just haven't aligned. But this weekend, her and Bronwyn's brother are coming to help us inspect the house. Uh, he's an architect. Tish has worked with houses and, and all sorts of things her entire life. Uh, so they're going to go through the place, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, if she still wants him, we had given uh, Lance to her some Christmases ago. And the thing is, is that he was given to me. And so in the spirit of trying to clean up that nerd room a little bit and him just kind of chilling there this whole time, I think it might be time for him to have another adventure and to to move up through Canada and retire oh, in a shit. nice cabin, uh, oh, literally shit. a cabin on the water.
2: The cabin in the woods.
0: Yes, a cabin in the woods on the water, which is where Tish lives with her two dogs. So if she's still interested, I'm I am more than willing to give it, give him up because I know that he'll go to a good home. But we'll see. We'll see. She might get here and be like, yeah, I kind of want your guitar and amplifier instead. No, which is the other thing that she was eyeing when she was helping me move my stuff into the storage unit. And that's when she first saw the suit of armor and was like, you, uh. You got anywhere to put that? <laughs> it's like, yeah. yes, I do. Anyway, we'll see what happens. My point being that I went through our comics, our single issue and collected comics from all the years that I was collecting physical comics when Talking Comics first started, and I was raiding Rob's basement to buy things from him at ridiculous prices. Uh, Getting absolutely insane discounts at Tor Comics when I lived on the island and sometimes walking out of that store with upward of like 30 to 40 comics a week uh, when I was really in the throes of all this stuff and kind of didn't know who I was, man. And, you know, had to Mm -hmm. taste a little bit of everything from everywhere and just collected it all because I had money to burn because I was single and going through it. But anyway... (laughs) I find myself in the basement the other the other this past weekend, we'll say, and I pulled I'm going to estimate I already have four full long boxes of comics, but I have about maybe a box and a half to two long boxes left to find some kind of storage vessel and bring them over to my LCS. I'm more than comfortable with the things that I've gathered and put into these boxes to trade in or to do whatever, Mm -hmm. those comics aren't my problem. I'm willing to let those go. However, the problem is,
2: was that? What stays and how do you store
0: them? Exactly. What stays, how do I store them? But, but let's, let's go through this one at a time. So what stays, I kept a lot of things that have sentimental value to me because I'm, I'm one of those types of people where there's a lot of, runs and there's a lot of there was a lot of stories and a lot of excitement and stuff that we read together as a group here on Talking Comics that I that they're they're very near and dear to my heart here's the thing though there are some that that exist solely in single issue format or collected format or whatever that I'm absolutely hanging on to but the stuff that I have that I have in single issue that I also have collected either in trade or in omnibus form. Do I keep the original single issue series when some of those series are pushing like 50 something, 60 something issues and taking up a lot of room? Do I keep all of my fantastic four stuff? For example,
2: have you replaced them with something else you can read in trade or omnibus or digital?
0: I've replaced some. I've replaced the Silver Surfer, Dan Slot Run. I have that in omnibus form. Okay. I have all the Hickman Fantastic Four and FF single
2: issues. Who cares? They're not they're not worth anything particularly. So let them go. I
0: know, but
2: they're so pretty. Are you a hoarder? (gasps) I think. Look, I'm a hoarder too. I've got a whole room full of stuff that I can't get rid of. But it's from sixty years ago. You're looking at stuff that. It has sentimental value, but no intrinsic value. And you've oh. replaced them physically where you can actually hold it in your hands. Let them go.
0: Oh, my God. Let this is go. not what I expected to hear. This is killing me.
2: It's the right <gasps> thing to do, Steve. Let them go. Oh, my God. Steve, okay. I don't know I've ever said this on the air. I may have said it privately. Due to... Look, I'm a single person of limited means and trying to make it in one of the most expensive places to live on planet Earth. I had to sell sell off major collections to keep my house running. Mm-hmm. I am talking Avengers. No. X-Men. Oh my god. 1 what? 2 whatever. Yeah. Was I this, repl- this wasn't... I replaced
0: Recent, was it
2: like four or five years ago? No,
0: oh, I yeah. didn't know that.
2: I got a good price from my friend John Verzel, the late John Verzel, my good friend. Um, yeah, look, they were my childhood copies, they weren't all in great shape, but I had replaced yeah. the majority of the issues that I cared about in masterworks and other collections or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I I needed the money and needed the space, and that was really hard. My father bought me some of those. Oh my god! So I'm going to tell you that I I don't want to compare, but my connection to the books I got rid of and yours ain't close.
0: No, I mean so that
2: so that so that if you've replaced the issues that physically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that you can read them physically in the wonderful way of sitting on a couch and opening a book and can save the space. Yeah. Get some money back that you can buy other new things with.
3: Yeah.
2: Go for it. Go for uh, it, man.
3: Steve, but like, here's the thing. If you yeah, have to ask a question, you already know.
2: What? If
3: you ask a question, you already know. You're just looking for somebody to tell you otherwise. Look, so I, was, I told
0: legs. you before we started recording that I was standing on the, the, on the ledge, and I wanted one of you to either push me off or pull me back. I didn't expect to get pushed well, off by Bob. By me.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Well, the go. ground
3: is approaching quickly. You better tuck in.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like a, a wily e. Coyote thing. You got a little sign going, oops.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> See, like, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel that run For, like complete single issue like near mint condition there are only my... s-
2: there's 17 of them and then 15 in the next run that's 30 issues it takes up 12 inches
0: keep yeah those. that one's probably not a good example keep those <sighs> oh my god all right girl by. what do you doing? i'll have this? to i'll Hick- have Hickman.
2: to... <laughs> hickman's three years of ff if you can yeah. buy the omnibus with the money you 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 could get back from giving them the single issues yeah is a single issue in there worth something yes
0: maybe okay what about variant covers and sign variant stuff?
2: Sign stuff you signed stuff signed
0: stuff you keep you keep okay what Variants? if what, what if you have something that's signed that you, you know don't care what? about anymore <laughs> then I'm get not rid doing of it. this i'm not doing this get with rid you. of it here People you go already steve.
2: Know. steve here you go if you have if you have a variant cover that the variant cover is collected in the trade paperback, get rid of it. Yeah. If it's a signed book, I, 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 I may have told this story, and I apologize. Last Christmas, I was buying for Nikki, who's has appeared on our show a couple of times. I was trying to get her up to date with Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel run in trade. Some of the books are only collected in an out-of-print trade called The Enemy Within that recollects avengers assemble and her captain marvel run together yeah so i i bought it's out of print i bought one from some second seller on amazon got the book it was signed by kelly sue. Oof. someone i don't know if they knew it or not i was not giving it back it's like well here um you can have this for christmas along with the historia signed by kelly sue to you directly that's right. okay People give up signed books, too. If you don't care about it, it's ink on a book. Goodbye.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Uh... I I sold off my Spider-Man collection, which was complete from the Romita run up when they said that the Clone Saga made the last 10 years of Spider-Man Ben and not Peter. Yeah. Okay, Marvel. Thanks. I won't buy your book anymore, ever. And I'll get rid of all the past
0: ones. You've got to let go yeah. sometimes, boss. Here's the other thing: is that we have the DC Infinite app now, and first of all, that thing has already paid for itself in spades. Uh, we've had it for a month and a week, and we have we have already saved. It has to be close to like two hundred, maybe like two hundred two fifty like dollars. In
2: I'd I'd in be books. more careful with those that you haven't replaced physically because that may change as it wow. already has. And you may have access to books now that you don't six months from now. And if you sell off the books, you then can't read them.
0: Oh my God. This is getting so complicated.
2: Okay. Brian, Brian Verterosa's dad, Michael, big movie collector sold off tons of books. Cause they are on uh, movies rather. Cause they are on Netflix. Yeah. Then they weren't on Netflix and he had to buy them back at collector's prices.
0: Mm. So still DC, have...
2: be careful with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You see, oh man, I was thinking the opposite. I was like, I've got this thing now. It's fine. No. It's well, no, that's for
3: if you, to prevent you from buying new things. But if you Absolutely. Like that, I, I don't, I think you should just leave the whole uh, digital, you know, streaming, if you want to call it that out of the mix. I think you should really just go on based on the things that it makes sense for you to keep. Um, I think you already know, but I don't think you should get rid of anything because you have a, a, a copy you don't own. somewhere yeah.
0: temporarily <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of Batman and it's a lot of wonder woman. It's a lot of bats, a lot of Batgirl. I have a lot no. more Batgirl than I had ever thought that I did. And I went through the boxes and I was like, Oh my God, there's a long box and a half of just Batgirl. What was I on? <laughs> Now, uh gail simone said, yeah I have, said, I have that i have
3: that yes go ahead let that let that determine let those services determine what you buy from that point forward not right. backwards
0: yes right oh man all right so now i'm gonna to have to go through the boxes again and look look at the dc stuff again because cool. I, I pulled a bunch cool. of dc stuff oh christ but i mean it's all still right. if
3: you have dc stuff get rid of it if you don't need it if you don't you know if you're if yeah not i emotional, just know
0: like... You know, Poor like donor. I ask myself, like I remember the the Green Lantern DC uh, New 52, where I have a picture of this somewhere on my Instagram, where I laid them all out on my living room floor and it was some kind of major crossover event between oh, all that. of yes. the Green Lantern yes. books. And I read all of them back to back to back to back the whole thing. And I... It was the ride of a lifetime, but as soon as I got off, I threw up green and I did not want to get back on, with the exception of Far Sector being a, a Green Lantern related. Do series. you own
2: Far Sector physically?
0: Oh, yeah, I've got that in. in okay, you, know, you keep
2: cover. that and get rid of all the yeah,
0: elements. I was just going to say that's simple. The only one you keep. simple. Actually, I think I only have that in soft cover. They came out with a hard cover later, though, they did the reverse. Okay, then you
2: you you hold on to the the soft cover, and with the money you get from the store, you buy the hardcover if you feel like because it might have extra back matter.
0: Yeah, and
2: of course, uh, you nothing.
0: This is the last one. This is the last one. I swear. Okay. Then I'll, we'll, I'll get nice. to books. But like, saga, like saga, single issue, perfect. Read once and put in a in a you know single single bag and board mm-hmm. in the in the in the box never touched again
2: first first run i mean first edition uh, everything first issue
0: oh yeah the whole the whole bit
2: you might want to put that i don't know if your store does this androids does this sort of stuff you could send it into cgc Mm. have it graded sell it on consignment and probably get a thousand dollars just saying. I'm not saying issues 14 or whatever, but those first flush of issues might be worth something to pull aside and see if he does it or someone else does it locally. Right, And you might find yourself a nice little nest egg. Oh
0: man, I'll tell you what, the last time that I traded stuff and when I first moved here, um, they gave me the price when I went back to the store and I was blown away by what they quoted me. Yes. I did never expected them to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'll just forget. I'll just tell you. It was like 700 bucks.
2: And it was,
0: it was literally the dregs of my collection.
2: But in that dregs might've been the introduction of some character that might've been worth that to them on its own.
0: Right. But this, this stash is not only way better But there's a lot more of it. So Mm -hmm. I have to imagine that when we do this, it's, you know, the will yield some fine rewards. Well,
2: again, Uh, check out on on those important books. Check out if they do the CGC thing and will they do consignment where they get a nice percentage and you bought it for three dollars. So who really cares?
0: Right. Right. Trying
2: to maximize mm. your investment here, Chief. <laughs> I know yeah. I'm know help- i not helping any. No, but that
0: that's also the kind of thing that I don't need to do like this weekend. Like I would like no. to go through those uh, those boxes again, maybe tomorrow, and then by Wednesday uh, find a way to get over there and, and drop that crap off and then just have them get back to me when they have the time. I just want them out of the house. Mm-hmm so have you decided anyway, how, to,
2: how to store them
0: <laughs> um no but if you if you have i bronwyn has a suggestion but i would like your suggestion as well, well.
2: W- one i gave you last week which was the most sturdy things you can get are actual warehouse shelves that have to hold car transmissions so you mm-hmm. buy steel shelving generic junky looking they hold the heaviest boxes you can imagine if you're mm-hmm. looking for something more aesthetic, more I can go through, yeah. it's sort of the horizontal files. It's a barrister bookcase kind of idea in in the sense of that's how lawyers store their files or medical officers store their files. It's those shorter squatter, like four feet high. You pull the drawer out.
0: Yeah, that's what I want.
2: That's yeah, That's what you need. Because you okay, could separate that, that out. As a bookcase is called a barrister. B-A-R-R-I-S-T-E-R. And that'll lead you into the right frame of looking at stuff. But a barrister bookcase is a glass bookshelf barrister with doors that open road. down to up with I their see lawyer up. books. Right. Yo, but, but, these
0: are these are pricey. Um yeah,
2: I had one I was going to have one made for me. It was too pricey. two, Ooh, like price two grand, man. Right, but you, you look at these shorter, squatter metal ones, and you might be able to buy one used from somebody who went out of business.
0: You have to go on Facebook Marketplace.
2: <laughs> well, there you go, or eBay or somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'll figure it out. I think because I think that we want to if we're if I'm going to keep these things, we want to display them and and keep them in a nice. You know, like you said, like aesthetics with the room kind of situation, yeah. whatever, whatever the next evolution of this collection needs to be, it needs to be, you know, pleasing to the eye and convenient. So if anyone out there listening has any ideas, please hit me up on Twitter at dead underscore anchors or right into the show podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com uh dot and, com and hit me with your suggestions because there's the sands of time the hourglass has been turned over but the sand is going real slow <laughs> so we got a little bit of time on this but i don't want it also depends on you know what's going on in the next couple of months my mom's 70th birthday is coming up too wow. and i'm getting guilt tripped into going out to florida of all places Ooh. barf
3: yeah. um all right. Well, that was a nice free association moment. <laughs> right uh,
0: how about comic books, friends? <laughs> friends. And if you're still
3: um, on Twitter, flee the dumpster fire now.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about more problems that I'm having. Huh? Who's up for yes. that? All right. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what's going on with me lately, but some comics I read and I'm I'm all there and I'm I'm there for the adventure and I'm you know I'm living the dream. And then I read other stuff and I walk away from it and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell just happened. What did I just read? What was I supposed to get out of that? And I had a very, with some exceptions, I had some very weird comics that I came across uh, this past week where I just felt like I didn't absorb much of what was going on. Uh, And one of these books It's called Two Graves. Number one story by Genevieve Valentine art by Ming Doyle and Annie Wu. Wow, that's a good
2: cast right there.
0: Well, that was what got my ass through the door. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't read what it was about. Probably should have, didn't think about it. Just saw their names on it and said, well, absolutely. Uh, especially with colors by Lee Lowridge and letters by Aditya Bidikar. So, like I said, I must be losing my touch because I was unable to track what was happening in this book. It opens with a young girl walking across a field to like a cliff's edge, much like the cliff that I was trying to convince you not to push me over, but you did. Uh, And she's walking towards a town. She bends down. she, She rakes her hand through the soil and the grass and just starts eating it. And I'm like, all right. That's, you know, one way to get your vitamins, I suppose. Uh, She walks into a bar and it looks like she's she's purposefully put. She's not even putting herself out there because the guy that she's trying to ensnare and that she's trying to gain his attention. He's such a sleazeball that if a a woman walks into this place, they don't even need to do anything for him to approach them and, and, and harass them and whatnot. So she's over at the jukebox and he's like, you know, oh, hey. You know, you seem like, uh, you know, you're in a bit of a spot. Can I help you with anything? And she basically says, I'm looking to get away. I'm looking to travel. He offers her a ride. They get out into the middle of nowhere and she reveals that she knows who he is and she knows what he's done. And this thing happened three years ago. So how how on earth is this, you know, catching up to him now? And they are driving in the car. She's revealing this all to him. And suddenly he looks ahead and sees this figure in front of his car and slams on the brakes and almost hits this dude in like a trench coat. And his face is like distorted and obscured. If you want to think of somebody whose head is a flame, like completely engulfed in flames and the flames licking around their skull is kind of warping their features. This sounds so, great, Steve. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is like this this faceless entity, and she takes the guy's face and she grabs it and she she pushes him. She smashes his face against the window, and this thing that comes off of the road basically puts its hand inside the car through the window and touches this guy's. Uh, forehead, and he dies. Um, fast forward a little bit, you come to find out that this is a traveling duo and they are hunting together. And what they're hunting is he is basically an extension of death, where he is the person or the he's what you see when you're about to die. The thing, he's a, Re- that, he's a
2: reaper, kind of, thing, he's a yeah. reaper,
0: but like. <laughs> There's a there's a there's a specificity to what he does. The person he you meet somebody later in the book where he appears to that person as somebody who would comfort them and welcome them into death. If, if someone is afraid of dying, he he basically arrives and transforms into the person that will soothe them and bring them over to the other side. Um, you know, a, a lost loved one or an old relative or whatever. The thing that I can't figure out is the relationship between these two characters and whether or not the woman that we're following around is dead or alive.
2: Should we give all that up in the first issue? Not necessarily. I think you're putting the cart before the horses, they used to say.
0: I Like I said, I don't know you what sound, got into you it. You sound hooked by it. I know. So I God damn it. Aaron, help
2: me out here, will you?
3: I'm trying to understand what part of the damn book you didn't get. You just read through the whole first issue. (laughs) Ah,
0: there's this whole thing. This whole thing, like right in the middle, right in the middle with Persephone, there's like three pages about eating seeds and this like old story, and I have no idea. I've read it three times and I have no idea how it relates to the story at all.
2: Steve, I have a book in my lightning round. I'm four issues in. I still don't know what's going on, but I'm loving it. Shit. Follow the story. Let let them tell the story. You've got a great team. Genevieve Valentine, who did a nice run on Catwoman a couple years back.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
2: You've got great artists.
0: I, I yeah the art the art is serious on give, on him, this. give him a
2: second it's... issue give him a second issue i think you'll be turned around as you often are on some of these things oh my god let it let, <laughs> it, let it let it inform you let it sink in a little bit man you're,
0: you're 20 you pages know in. Me, you know me better than i know yes this. we do yes we do Fucking a. all right <laughs> um the other book i'll talk about really quick
2: you're on your own on this one aaron help me out <laughs> <sighs>
0: Uh, Joey, Joey, if Joey was here, uh, he talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Uh, the Bone Orchard Mythos, 10,000 Black Feathers, one and two. Um, I did like this. I did like this. This is presented by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino with colors by Dave Stewart and letters and design by Steve Wands. This is the book that Joey talked about, about Trish, who is a writer and she goes back to her old town to visit uh, Jackie's house. Jackie was her childhood friend and she goes and stays in her room. And then of course, Jackie is no longer there. And the room is not even seemingly it is haunted. It is, it is haunted. It is very much haunted, but is it the room that's haunted or is it Trish herself? dun, dun. Dun, So issue one is that's pretty much the setup of kind of the reality of Trisha's situation. She's kind of in a rut. Her last few books haven't been selling the way that she hoped that they would. And she's taking a bit of a break. And before she moves on to her next destination, she's stopping off in her old town and she goes and she knocks on Jackie's door. Her mother answers and basically says, you know, you're welcome to stay here as long as you need. Uh, She's a little strange, but she's, you know, she's been through a lot. She's been through the emotional ringer. Um, But what you come to find is that Trish and Jackie, when they were kids, they both discovered that they loved the same authors and they both loved creating stories. And so what they did was they created a world together and they came up with characters. They came up with a place and they came up with a villain. And my suspicion is that what they created, the bond that they had was so strong at one point in their lives that it kind of like die. Uh, it manifested itself. Um, the Kieran Gillen and, and mm-hmm. Stephanie Hans yeah. series for people listening that don't know. Um, so Trish is now trapped in kind of reality. And then whispers or a crossover into this fictional world that they created together. We come to find out uh, towards the end of the first issue that Jackie is missing. We don't know if she's dead. We don't know what happened. I suspect maybe she got pulled into the other world uh, and that's where this is headed. But the second issue is much more about their relationship and kind of the rift that happens between them and it's not even anything dramatic and i think that this is probably my favorite aspect of the at least the second issue is it's just life happening and growing up it's it's going to high school and meeting new people falling in with a different crowd and Kind of drifting apart where one person is really dedicated to writing and wants to keep going and wants to stay in that world and in that life, and the other person is starting to experience more things they're meeting more people, Uh, they want to go to the party that's happening on Friday, instead of having the writing cramming session that was planned. Um, And, you know, all it takes is one missed session before the next one is missed and everything starts breaking down. So we start to see the cracks in their friendship in the second issue. And as we go through that past, the present is becoming more and more distorted. So it's a weird, it's a weird Jeff Lemire-Andrea Sorrentino vibe. Well, you know that vibe. If you've read this team before, if you've read Gideon Falls- it has that sort of thing to it going on for it. Um, Like Joey said, the artwork is tremendous. Sorrentino is using almost two entirely different approaches to the art style uh, for this book, for the memories versus what's actually happening in the town. Uh, The present day stuff is all nightmarish and creepy and drenched in shadow and stuff like that. And the older stuff is a lot more playful and brighter and there are lights on in the house and stuff like that. Uh, and the, the contrast between the two of them is really cool and is really jarring and that it transports you from one time to another. in this very cool visual way. Um, and I'm digging it. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's fun. I like, I like this. Um, this world that they're this black orchard world that they're creating. This is the second, I guess, second series or second idea that they've had for this label of theirs or this imprint of theirs. And uh so far it is uh two for two for me because I really liked I can't remember the name of it, but that uh that short story that we all read with uh with the well and the the guy uh fall- looking down it or falling down it or whatever reminded me a lot of the Lighthouse uh from Robert Eggers. But yeah, um, those are my books. It's what I read.
2: Oh, uh, There was another book on your list, but you're not putting that one in. Okay.
0: Uh, no, I, I don't know. Was there? What did I have on there? David Pepos' Fantastic Four. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot to write it down. Um, yes, I caught up. I read Reckoning War, uh, and I caught up with Fantastic Four because I was not going to miss reading Ryan North's Fantastic Four number one which we'll talk about in a little bit but wow David Pepos I'm really really glad not I mean not only is he a friend of the show uh and a tremendous talent but I'm really glad that he won um one of our awards uh I guess the last time that we did it because he is really making moves this year and he just keeps getting better and better. I really, really, really enjoyed his uh, fantastic four sue Sue Storm stars in Die Hard in yeah, the exactly. the building. <laughs> uh, it was really fun and honestly, like I think we've talked about it two other times before on this show, so I don't want to go on and on about it. but everything that you guys said about it was all true. The idea of of Reed, like his narration being very sincere. Uh, when talking about Sue and how strong she is and how when faced with annihilation and he's given the, the opportunity to answer with one, you know, to give one answer to a very big question. uh, What is kind of the center of the universe? And his answer is it's Sue. It's my wife. It's Sue storm. And I think that's very sweet. It's a, it's a nice side of him that we don't always get to see. And, uh, I think, Aaron, I think you brought this up, but the run that we had uh, like two or three years ago of Sue doing the like the super spy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, um, it was reminiscent of that, like channeling that part of her for this this character going through this story. And it was just fun. And it was I have to admit, I kind of I mean, it was an after afterward thing. But I, I, I liked it a little bit better as a finale for the slot run than the actual end for the slot run, even though I did appreciate him putting a lot of the toys back in the toy box and ending it very sweetly, um, as I knew he would. The, these two issues, Pepo's story, really, really geared me up for the Ryan North uh, debut that we got this past week. Um, and I don't want to talk about that yet because I know that Bob is, is going to give his piece on it and then we'll kind of go around the room. Um, but it was a good time. It was, it was a good time. Cool. Lived up to the hype. Go ahead. No,
2: it, it, you, you. I always wonder, you're an FF fan and you're a little spottier lately, particularly during this slot run, but I mm-hmm. knew you were going to love this one. So at least I hoped you would love this one. So it's good to oh, hear yeah. you. Yeah.
0: I still love the Fantastic Four. I And I mean, if anything, I love them so much that, that that's part of why I've been a little bit more critical about some of the slot stuff than usual. And I have to admit, I do have a bee in my bonnet about the kid stuff. I really, really love the FF, the Future Foundation. I love Valeria and Franklin. And I do still think that they were underused in the slot run. Um, they are used, they are there and they do their things, but I felt like they weren't participating enough or being sidelined a lot and the Franklin stuff with him losing his powers and struggling with the whole, am I ever going to get them back thing? I, I don't really know that we ever got any kind of resolution with that, or maybe we did and I just don't remember, but that aspect of his character just seemed to drag for a long time with not a lot of events to turn it around um but but there are a lot of highlights to the slot run for sure um throughout the years that he's been doing it and i still love the fantastic four i think they're Mm -hmm. they're the best superhero team especially from from marvel for sure
2: so, On the David Pippos front, there are speculations about who will be the next Avengers writer. His name has come up in a number of articles I've seen.
0: Ooh, that could be Project Toaster or whatever it is he's been talking about. Lately. Uh, he always you know, he always names yeah. his uh, his his stuff something obscure because he can't he can't say what it is online, but he likes to give like script uh progress and stuff like that
2: i just did savage avengers for a while i might buy avengers again if he was on it
0: yeah Mm. i certainly would check that out um but i love i love fantastic four like i said as characters as a team and as something that you know reminds me of a good friend and good times on this show and very very rarely do i get defensive with with characters like that and i think that's part of why i was so harsh throughout the slot run i i have there's a high bar for me with fantastic four and i i have to say i was spoiled by coming into it when i did and having those several years of hickman stuff you know and really followed, really followed
2: by fraction doing his
0: ff with exactly the crazy crazy thing
2: and sending all the kids off into space with reed and sue in the game yeah
0: that's another amazing run slot slot had a lot
2: a lot
0: to measure up to i think it's a fantastic run hey hey. Hey, hey. um but if i had to rank them against the other three you can imagine where it would land Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway um We'll talk more about hard the hard about hard. how excited I am later when we get to Bob's lightning round. But um, I think that's going to be it for me.
3: Oh. I don't even think we gave opening lightning. I wasn't aware that we had actually started his lightning round.
2: I think Bob did. <laughs> I think I, I threw a so little bit go. in. There you go. Good. Okay.
0: All right. We'll We'll uh, we'll save Bob's stuff for the finale. Aaron, why don't you uh, pick up the stick? Sure. Go ahead.
3: Sure. There's a bunch of things I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to go super quick through them. So first book, Wildcats number one, Matthew Rosenberg, Elmer Santos. So I'm going to read a little bit of a, a I guess, a blurb that I guess DC put into it to, to give a little bit of a description. So spinning out of the pages of Batman comes the senses shattering new series. A Halo Corporation has gathered a motley crew of operatives led by Cole, Grifter, Cash, uh, who are going to make the world a better place no matter what who, what or who they have to kill. Uh, working in the shadows of the DC universe, the new covert team has been tasked with gathering an elite group of scientists for the first phase of their plan, but the cat's mystery uh, mysterious leader uh, void might have other plans. So like it says, cats covert action team. You might remember this. This was a series that was created by Jim Lee and Brandon Choi as part of the, the Wildstorm universe in the nineties. Um, I think it was for image. I have a tangential knowledge or understanding of the, the universe and you know, some things that existed within there. Um, I think this was a great first start, uh, to including them in the DC universe, to be hundred percent honest, you know, without having them connect too much to something that's ongoing. So it's a book that can be dropped into the universe, no matter where, you know, or what event is going on. Um, there are some appearances by, you know, some of our classic DC characters, but not enough to make them matter. It's just a cameo to sort of ground you as to where we are and what's going on and, you know the universe uh but also to give you an idea of where they fit you know they're not a a team that the justice league will call on the way they might call on the doom patrol or the titans or something like that they they for the, for all purposes they don't, no one even even knows they exist a la you know the authority to some degree so you have a few characters that are presented in this book uh grifter uh zealot who's a lady with a sword Death Blow, by Michael Cray, Mr. Marlowe, who's the boss in Fairchild, a child child with some serious adrenaline issues. Uh, so if you know, you know. Um, so as, like I said in the, in the little blurb there, they're, they're basically trying to collect some scientists, but Grifter immediately screws it up. Uh, he gives them a second chance, which he immediately screws up again. Uh, but the team's here to help him <laughs> out. However, because it's Grifter, again, as talented as he is, he pushes the team out of the frying pan and directly into the fire. So I guess that's a little cliffhanger that we're left with and we have to figure out. And the cliffhanger is actually kind of interesting because I think it, if it's who I think they are trying to reflect there, it's, it does actually connect to... Um, no, I we'll won't say the name of the characters. Uh, it does connect to uh, a, 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 DC, a major DC uh, storyline from, I'll just oh. say from the Scott Snyder era. Um, so with that said, very fast-paced, very violent... Um, very matter-of-fact in their approach to whatever it is they're doing. And I say that because they're not heroes, necessarily. They're kind of just in it for whatever it is they're in it for because they kind of like what they do, but not for the reasons that you would want your heroes to say. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see them develop and, and, and work as a team because they're literally not a team. But it was a fun story to sort of watch unfold. I'm hoping they didn't give us everything in the first issue, but I'm in for another one. Uh, book number two, superman Son of Kal El, number eight. Tom Taylor, tomra Bonvillon. You know, we have a boy <laughs> and his dad. Um, this story talks about a lot. You know, it sort of focuses on the time lost when you know you're not able to be there with your kid, um, and you know gives you a little bit of a a glimpse into how their reunion is going to take place. Now, what's interesting about this is that this was the second reunion. Uh well this is the first of two reunions of John and Superman that happened in the Beast Universe this week. But we'll talk about that other one later. Hmm. Um, (laughs) we'll, we'll get to that later. Um it was there was an incredibly touching scene. Obviously, one of the things that we realized he hadn't done, he being John, is you know, talk to his dad about, you know, the things that he's going through from a relationship perspective, his 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 sexuality and his you know, his relationship. Um, and you can see that even though, you know, they're the, the two most powerful individuals on the planet, there's still some things that they fear. Uh, they fear the, com- the the difficult conversations. They sort of, they, they, it, it, they suffer the same way the rest of us would suffer um, in approaching those conversations. And I think this book, although there was a, a villain storyline in the background, this is what really stood out about the book. That relationship and sort of reestablishing and making it clear that you are not just landing back in the world and, you know, and, and suddenly going to pick up where you left off. Um, now, at the same time, like I said, there was this new villain called Red Sin who can apparently take their powers away, and that's going to be a big deal going to Tom Taylor, but you know, I really focus on the relationship. Oh, and the meaty nipples on the cover.
2: But what? 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 T- time out! Wait. Nip, nip,
3: nip, 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 nip. Yeah. Meaty
2: yeah. nipples. That's the phrase yep. hasn't been used yet here, yep. so I appreciate that. Thank on, you. On,
3: on the cover, you know. If, again, if you know, you know. <laughs> no, hold on!
0: Hold on! Hold on! <laughs> tell, tell Bob if Bob didn't see it in the chat. Tell him what you did to the cover.
3: <laughs> no, but you got you, you. just got to look at the chat because I don't even know. Okay. I, I highlighted. Okay, hold on. I'll I highlighted some of the
0: uh, the meteor bits. <laughs> <laughs> he digitally Sorry. drew on he drew arrows and like exclamations for these nipples and oh, sent it to everyone. <laughs> those were some meaty nipples. That's all I'm saying. That'd Man, be a
2: great name there. for a heavy there. metal band, wouldn't it? Hey. I'm, meaty. You know, I'm sure meaty, meaty nipples, nipples. <laughs> Oh yes <I'm sure> <laughs> <probably is> one. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, St. Louis. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm telling you, take a look. If you know you know, look at the cover. It's Superman Sono Cal number okay. eight. Number eight. Hit me eight. up on Instagram. Let me know what you think um dark crisis on infinite earth number six joshua williamson daniel semper all right so the young heroes have gotten their asses kicked up and down the street but they're not giving up uh they gotta they gotta basically stall just long enough for mr terrific to come up with a plan that's going to put this darkness back into its little bag and you know save the world etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'll be honest with you every step forward they take there's two or three they take backwards and it's not looking good you know deathstroke is you know he's got something he's got some mojo going you know listen it's a lot there's a lot happening like i said just you know it's this is always the way it is they they want to get you right to the point where you realize that there's nothing that they can do that's going to make them win and then all of a sudden there's a character that stands up does what they what he knows he has to do it's detective yeah it's john (laughs) it's john he and john john goes in and he listen he realizes that he was—he he needed to make the time. He needed to give Mr. Terrifics the opportunity to finish what he was trying to finish. He knew he was going into a losing battle, and he did it. And I think it was probably from the perspective of the story that was being told, an underrated moment over the overall story, but I think a very character-defining moment for this Superman. Uh, because like I said, he knew where he was going, and he probably wasn't going to come back. And he was most happy about giving that opportunity now what saves the day is another reunion again a reunion that completely differs from the other reunion in the what? <laughs> so i'm not really sure exactly what we were supposed to take from the two reunions of father and son this week but you know it is what it is just go with this comics um, so again, we get to what we believe is a happy ending, but then again, Deathstroke is just like, nope, I'm still not done. We're going to do this anyway. It's, we got one more issue left to see how this whole thing wraps up and where things go and what that means for the rest of the DC universe, but hold on strap in. We'll be good. All right. Next thing. We're going to be super quick about this black parents of the series. So in, in, when I wasn't able to get out to see the movie a second time this weekend, I uh, sat down with my friend Carolyn, you know, via zoom and we watched uh, Black Panther, the series, uh, on uh, YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. Uh, it was uh, originally produced by uh, BET, uh, and it was uh, directed, I believe, produced and directed by Reginald Hudlin. Wow. Um, basic, basically, quick story. Oh, and it had some, some, some people in there. So basically, a quick story, Rise of a New Black Panther, T'Challa, who wins in battle from his uncle, who is the uh, uh, brother of the father, T'Chaka, who had been killed 10 years earlier um essentially we find ourselves with the claw wanting revenge as we all know on, on wakanda and he puts a little team together to execute his little master plan um uh, it seems like it's it's like the evil version of oceans 11 it seems like it's all coming together <laughs> but you know we we get to see a version of wakanda that's not necessarily what we see in the mcu but still just as regal and just as as capable and advanced as it needs to be this was a very violent this was not a disney series uh, it was six episodes um The fifth one, Carol and I both agreed, was not necessarily necessary, um, but we really did enjoy the overall thing. Like I said, it was very violent, very much willing to lean into the role of the colonizer and and putting them exactly where they needed to be in the story. Oh, and we got some appearances from some X-Men in there, so it was all really good. And you know which X-Men it was, so, you know, if, Mm. again, I'm going to say that for a third time, if you know, you know. Star, John Hansu, Kerry Washington, Alfie Woodard, and a bunch of other people whose names you'll know. Lastly... The last thing I'm going to talk about, because I just happened upon this again on YouTube when I was going down my little YouTube rabbit hole, there's a series from 1973 called The Tomorrow People. Does anyone know what I'm talking about?
2: Yes, though I I know it and have never seen it. It's it's not a Doctor Who spinoff, but it's the people behind some Doctor Who back in the day. Okay. Hit me one more time
3: with that title. The Tomorrow People. There were three no. versions of it actually it was the first one was from 73 to 79 then there was one in the 90s oh i didn't know that, that. that. wow that's, that's yeah that starred uh, naomi harris uh, academy award nominee naomi wow harris. um and then there was one that the cw tried to do a couple of years ago. well about it, don't worry right. um just <laughs> move on with their lives there's no reason yeah. to go back to that um anyway what i just i have always had a love for this show um i rem- i watched it religiously as a kid with it would come on pbs and you'd be able to you know see all the, UP, uh, the that's YouTube where i saw PBS. it
2: yes it was pbs yes
3: and so i just loved it and the thing i love about it is it is literally one part doctor who one part x-men so just to give you some background the tomorrow people are essentially as they call homo superior uh the next evolution uh-huh. of, uh humans and they are and as such they have powers they all have the same powers not like the x-men where they have different powers and their powers are telepathy telekinesis and teleportation um and there's a couple of other vulnerabilities though because they're the next evolution one of the things that's built into their genes or i guess their genetic programming is that they can't kill people they can defend themselves but they can't kill which is supposed to be what saves the world and saves the universe eventually Um, and you know the series starts with uh, a new tomorrow person a child um well 14 or 15 or so uh breaking out basically coming into their powers and being able to connect telepathically with the mothers and it's just this fun who Whovian type show that i next thing i know i was 16 episodes in so uh again watched it as a kid really enjoyed it it was just really fun to go down and it's on youtube if you see it you it have watch it it'll just make you remember all the things you loved about dr who you know, from back in the day and the Doctor Who from, you know, 2005 and on and all those things. And it was just really fun. And that is my lightning round. Once
2: you once you said PBS, Aaron, it's around mm-hmm. the Tom Baker era, which PBS yeah. was showing here in New York around, I mean, maybe it was a year or so out. And I definitely saw a couple of these and it struck me as, uh, no one remembers the original novel by John Wyndham, which was the Midwich Cuckoos, but it's Village of the Damned. Mm-hmm. where kids get powers and weird things and cross with that in the X-Men. And I saw a couple and enjoyed it, and it, it sort of disappeared from my consciousness. And now, where can I see this again? Where can I, I, I come watch the some? link?
3: Someone has put the entire series. Nice. On I'm in. All versions. All versions of it. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just fun. It's just fun to watch. It's serialized. You know, they, I think they do it in arcs. So, like, each arc is, like, five episodes or something like that. And they always end on a little bit
2: of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: you know, it's, it's, it's just fun. It yeah, just I, easy, I remember fun it
2: from 50 years ago, I'm remembering this. I didn't even know there were reboots or whatever, but right. I, I'd love to see some of these. So, yeah, yeah, thank you, Aaron.
3: Yeah, there was a reboot in the 90s, 92, I believe it was when it rebooted. Um, yeah, and I watched that as well and loved it. Like I said, CW got their hands on it a bunch of years ago, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and uh, don't bother. Okay. <laughs>
2: they CW-fied it, and you know what that means. Now, now the whole Callel Dark Crisis thing. How how does this? Do we get any glimpse of the other reunion, or are these two books completely separate from each other as They're to how they? Completely separate. That's terrible. That's terrible writing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I
3: mean, unless there's something I'm really missing, but there were reunions captured in both books, and I'm like, wait, he. You were reunited this way in Kal el then you were reunited that way in this book because you know he was on a completely different multiverse and whatever.
2: Anyway, the same that Steve, uh, do you remember the end of Fractions FF Fantastic Four runs and how he brought together both parts of it into final issues of both books?
0: Yeah, so where you, you got
2: to see both sides of the battle and the stuff going on. And eventually you could actually lay the two books next to each other into a giant spread.
0: That's how you do that. I do remember that. I just bit my tongue. Thanks, <laughs> <Yikes. laughs> But I do remember. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it could be I done
2: know. better than what you're describing. And, that, and that's too bad because both books are really good. So why don't they just yeah. coordinate a little bit?
3: It just caught me off guard as to why they would make it make it such an emotional moment in Callel, and then make it an equally as emotional moment in Dark Crisis. But like, are you now telling us that these two books had had, had absolutely nothing to do with each other, that,
2: uh, or yeah. were in no
3: way related?
2: I don't know. It doesn't That's ruin not, your emotions for the book you love, but still, it's sort of wow. How do you weird. not coordinate that? Yeah. It's weird.
3: And then how do you say that this book has an impact on the rest of the DC universe then?
2: It changes the universe forever. Except
0: Is yeah. this right on the outline here, Aaron? Superman Son of Kal-El number 8? Aren't we yeah. on like Superman no. Son Sorry. of Kal-El like 15 or 16 yeah, or something I, like that? Typo. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> typo on my end. Yeah.
0: What's the actual number of the book then? Well,
3: let me refer remember.
0: 47. 47. No, I think you're right. <laughs> It's like it's, it's like fifteen or sixteen or something like that. It's something I think it's, it might be eighteen. All right, I'm gonna write eighteen for now. He lost a one. That's all. I just want to make 17. sure for when I do the outline, I don't 17. want to, uh... seventeen. 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 Okay. Yep. 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 Type um, on, yeah. Edge of seventeen. How are you? How are you enjoying John's journey overall since they they started the series and did the reboot and and started telling kind of his his new odyssey into himself.
3: Um it's been a slow burn. Um I think it could probably pick up the pace in some areas, but at the same time I like that it is not the only aspect of the character that they are exploring. Yeah, I, that's I something that I like
0: really enjoying too.
3: Yeah, I do like that they what they are exploring is philosophically how he will approach be, being Superman because Superman's big motivator was proving to the world that he belonged there, even though he was an alien. John doesn't have that because he does belong here. He he's human, you know, he's half human. Um, mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting about that is he's half human, but actually stronger and faster than, than Kal-El. Um, right. Of which they kind of demonstrate in this issue hmm. a little bit. Um, well, at least faster, anyway. Um, so he's younger, he's allowed so to be fast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, there is there's aspects of his existence that makes it clear that this. Whereas, okay, I know I'm gonna. It's gonna sound like I'm I'm beating it. Whereas, I think in the Bat world. Everyone is trying to figure out how to be a Batman. You know, all the sons, if you want to call that, are trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to be a Batman exactly like or as good as Bruce. Um, and all, you know, crying into their cereal because they, they, they <laughs> can't. Whereas John is purposefully trying to be a Superman all of his own and not necessarily trying to be like his. He's trying to live up to the legacy, but not trying to be like because again he has different stakes and that's brilliant that is great that's great writing yes so yeah it's great it's they've they've pointed it out lois has pointed it out to him also it was really interesting because this this issue was about fathers because there was a really interesting and very touching conversation between clark and Pa. um, Pa Pa was like he probably isn't he dead Multiverse
0: time thing. Okay, I'm sorry. I I I found myself asking the same question a little while ago. (laughs) Comics
3: time thing. It's uh, blah blah blah. So, so, but yeah, he um had a conversation where he basically said, "He goes, yeah, you went away, and he
0: he may actually be pissed at you. Get over it." Okay, (laughs) I was so confused when Paul Kent and Ma Kent like walked into the room. And I just said to myself, "Doesn't he like? Isn't that the whole thing that Superman can't save him because he's dying of a heart attack or whatever?" And well, that's the that's
2: the real versions,
0: yes, but yeah, yeah. right. So
3: not tornadoes, multiverse, multiverse, all these things. Yeah, Yeah. it's stuff. Stuff's happened.
2: Cool. All I know is they're back. But Uh, but Monpot Kent is so important, and people don't always get that. Writers don't always get that. So that he's back involved in this. That's that's Mm -hmm. lovely. That's really lovely.
0: So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really enjoying this uh, run of super Superman books. It was I said it in the beginning, like within the first five issues of the John Kent stuff rebooting, that I he's the version of the Superman that I love to read. So, I have a few issues that I need to to catch up with it, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. You also reminded me that uh, sadly when uh Chadwick Boseman had passed away, Marvel did that um like everything Black Panther was for free on comicsology mm-hmm. yeah. for for that time and um I just have this absolute like beast of a library of Black Panther stuff that I could go back and read and certainly after seeing the movie this past weekend, I just might do that, pick something <laughs> at random and run with it. Mm, yeah,
3: I I actually sifted through that, my library of that stuff as well. So
0: yeah. Aw. Anyway, sorry we're getting uh, messages from Chris on the on the chat. Uh, and I'm should I have a a third glass of a uh, bare face whiskey? Yes. What do you guys think
2: yes before we get to reviewing the movie and my yes. books and everything else. Yes,
0: I have Bareface Canadian whiskey. Elementally aged, whatever that means. They, they uh, put plutonium in it. Don't don't drink it. Triple oak, <laughs> aged oh. seven years.
2: Do you ever see it the movie? Is. You ever see the movie Young Adult?
0: Yeah. Charlize yeah, Starr, yeah
2: and yeah, Patton Oswald is making bourbon in his garage. <laughs> he yes. makes him Mose Isley. It's it's triple aged in oak barrels. Can you take the
0: taste the oak? Did I tell you what I found in my basement um, like two years ago? No, this is random, but go for it. Okay, (laughs) super quick, and then we'll get to your lightning round, and then hopefully, Joey, you'll still be able to join us. Um, (laughs) It's it's an hour later, but yeah, sure. So my my mom was going through a bunch of stuff and, and putting stuff in a storage unit, and then obviously she put some stuff aside for me, sent me a box with a bunch of things in it. One of those things was an album. Uh, like a photo album and I didn't recognize it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I open it up and she goes, I thought you'd like to have this. It is a photographic um, like Polaroid diary of my dad and his friends and their moonshine operation
2: in the middle
0: of the woods of them with like bathtubs and barrels and hoses and beards and all this nonsense yeah I, I shit you not it's like a 54 page book of photos of just them living it up in their like mid uh, 20s making moonshine in the woods and just getting plastered
2: you gotta Is print the- you gotta print out a couple of those and put them on
0: your wall it's amazing it's so cool i opened it up i called her the next day i was like what is this she's like i thought you'd like that (laughs) yeah of course that's
2: amazing
0: so cool um all right uh bob let's do your lighting round all righty
2: batgirls number 12 by becky clunan michael w conrad Neil Gouge, Rico Renzi, Becca Carey was another delightfully sassy and scary entry in this very enjoyable series. It's the conclusion to Batgirl Summer and the Hill Ripper story arc. It ends on some very high notes, but also one that could be very low, which we're apparently going to get to find out in the annual, and I hope somewhere down the road, some extra extra runs of this batgirls has been awesome the new golden age one shot was written by jeff johns and drawn by so many artists that it would take up my entire lightning round to list them all anyway considering the dark crisis just mentioned previously and the coming new dawn of the dc universe i'm not sure where this fits in or if it's even supposed to I don't care either way, as I enjoyed the heck out of this on its own merits. That said, I do have a couple of quibbles. What were some major changes to a character's origin? Although it does keep the best parts. Also, what I thought was a needlessly violent scene that goes on and on near the opening. Plus the follow-ups that that, that follow. Okay, look, to the story itself, we... (sighs) We bounce through a DC history lesson across various time periods, which we we get the original JSA, the 70s All-Star era, not to mention some far future stuff. We get some Watchmen, legacy characters across all of them. And that, you know, it's all the stuff that, that ties into Jeff Johns' previous runs, as well as Jerry Conway's and Paul Levitt's. Again, I'm not sure if this is a great jumping-on point. We'll, we'll know from, from my, my fellows here. We'll have to see what Steve thinks and, and Aaron thinks, but I'm... I love where we're going here, and I can't wait to see what Stargirl is next week. Here we go. Fantastic Four number one, Ryan North, Yvonne Coelho, Jesus Arbutov, Joe Carmanya It's everything that Ryan North promised it would be in the pre-publication interviews. And his blueprint is also in the back matter that's published here. The issue focuses on Ben and Alicia, whose vacation takes a side trip into the twilight zone. <laughs> in this case, it's a town stuck in a time loop. Unless Alicia and Ben can figure out what's going sideways, they're stuck too. Thought this was a great start to the North Quail run, with a, a, a vibe a lot like the John Byrne run, back to basics, but with a modern twist. Also quite emotional. I, I got to the end of this. There's there's some stuff going on that reminds me of the Squirrel Girl Nancy Doreen time-traveling back and forth, They're stuck-in-time issue. So for me, huge, huge thumbs up from, from this Fantastic Four fan. Love Everlasting, number four, Tom King, Elsa Chartier, Matt Hollingsworth, Clayton Cowles was, well, another heartbreaker, another brain teaser. I'm completely stumped now as to how this all fits together. I'm loving it, nonetheless. I'll wait to see the storytellers giving me the story. Finally, it's a bit late for Halloween, so a quick word about Archie Comics' Never. Chilling Adventures of Salem and their return of Chilling Adventures in Sorcery one shots. The Salem story headlined by that darn cat, and it's by <laughs> Cullen, it's by Cullen Bunn and Dan Shoney. While the the sorcery issue is an anthology featuring Madame Satan and is linked by her guise as the principal of Baxter High, as she will disciplines some familiar some familiar students i'm just gonna say it that way really fun spooky stuff uh this should have been out i know it's their month of horror that archie did but i'm sorry if i'm buying november it's kind of a problem anyway loved it anyhow i'm done
0: oh boy uh where to begin aaron do you want to jump in first or should i yeah, that golden
3: age, the new golden age, lots of moving parts there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> lots of things happening in motion. I I, I had to read that, and you know, it was interesting because it's like double size. I had to read that like slowly to make sure that I was understanding where the, the stories were switching and the, what was going on where and all the things that it was trying to, all the memories, I guess, of that time mm-hmm. it was trying to evoke um yeah there was a lot going on and when it got to the it, it's interesting you kind of knew what those last pages were going to bring you to but you were interested in seeing how you were going to get there at least that's yeah. what my perspective was. it was so about thinking, the journey yes absolutely yeah. so yeah there's a lot going on i that's definitely something you i i need to i need a couple more hits of the universe of that universe to to yeah. understand exactly where it's going to go so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was a lot. That was a lot. Um, a lot I to take black in. girls, and yeah. and what Are you girls, and I will be honest. I really do like it now that I sort of divorced myself from expecting it to look like look at the characters and the way that I'm accustomed to seeing the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, for me, the series has had peaks and valleys on some things, but I actually, I, I, I see what the what all the hype is about. I, I definitely do understand it, and I definitely see it. I especially love when they put the Babs and you know Nightwing together. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm banter.
2: a Dick and Babs fan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that
3: banter, um, and, you know, and the, the 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 banter between Steph and Cass, Cass yes. I, I really like as well. Um, again, sometimes the villains are a bit much. Um, we I, do I get a someone, great
2: Riddler here, though. You got to admit,
3: they they. It's all. I always feel like there's this hint of like, like I'm waiting for Adam West to jump out of the background somewhere. Really <laughs> cool. It like, I I wouldn't
2: um, you know I wouldn't mind that Batman showing up. It would be that. DC wouldn't like it very much. I'm saying it's, it's it's interesting. Um,
3: but yeah, there's there's there there I, I see. I almost look at like I said in the first this first time I think I talked about this book. I almost look at it almost like it's an Elseworlds book, but because I do have to divorce myself from the, my perception of the characters. You know,
2: well, I think here. DC is in that place where all their books don't necessarily connect in the way that we're yeah. used to seeing books connect. And if this has to be in its own little corner, yeah, I'm loving this corner.
3: Yeah. So um, it does give me a little bit. I couldn't remember. You will remember because it was a book, one of the books that you killed. What was that book with the uh, with the guy that liked the rats in the.
2: Oh, uh, uh, the, mo- the movement. The movement. The movement. Yes. Oh, Gail Simone's I, the movement. Love that was
0: one of the series that I found in my long boxes the other oh, day. Oh, keep I was that like, one because I don't think it oh, yeah. has
2: been reprinted. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I think yeah, not at all. Um, yeah,
3: I was on that. I was on that whole ride with you, Bob. Don't worry, I took that entire ride, you know, as well. But it was giving me this. Gives me a little bit of that vibe. Um,
2: and, and so all we need, oh, then, all we need in this book is Vengeance Moth. I don't
3: understand the why girl in the wheelchair with it. the
2: fruit roll-ups. Fruit roll-ups. I'm- <laughs> I mean, those characters have
3: never shown up again. Um,
2: the but, most yeah. diverse cast in comic book history. Squandered. Never showed up again. Squandered, but, yeah. right. Completely squandered.
3: So, M. Fantastic Four, I, I will let you guys start with that one because I can okay. go on for no Steve? <laughs> ah.
2: Yeah, okay, I thought so.
0: Here we go. So a couple of months ago, I can't remember what it was. It, may, it might not even have been a couple months ago, but I came across a comic that I was reading digitally that had a second page rep- like printed on top of the other page. So I turned the page and it was the same page. And I was like, what is happening right now? Uh, Fantastic Four number one starts the same way. Yes. And I was freaking out. Did, did that <laughs> confuse you? No,
2: not at all. No, no. Well, Bob, you because probably it, know... They're not, they're not completely the same. The last I mean, the panel f- has different words in it.
0: The first... Oh. Aren't the, the first two, though? Oh, wait. The first, day the first
2: two, but page three...
0: Yeah, but like, yeah. come on. One, one page yeah. after the other, I was... Here's the thing. Whenever stuff like that happens to me, my first thought is, like... It's oh my book. god the, the, fla- the flashbacks are coming okay all those all those college years they're coming back to haunt me Mushrooms. um yeah this is this is it oh yeah yeah that and a little bit more um but like i absolutely adored this issue one of the one of the first things that i noticed that i absolutely loved o- i open up the book we're going through the thing uh alicia and ben walking to the door but on the page with all the credits with everybody uh that is involved in making this book, they introduce the Fantastic Four at the top of the page, and there's this and Alicia Masters Grimm mm-hmm. at the top being included in the lineup of the Fantastic Four. I really I thought that was a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh she's an outstanding character. And been she here since is...
2: FF number eight.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's but it also it also feels like that's a sign of things to come of her being more of a major player in the stories that we're going to get. Or at least that's what it says to me. I mm-hmm. hope um, I could be wrong. I have not read them yet, but it, it has me hopeful. Um, I love this type of story. I love this like Groundhog Day ish timey wimey trapped in the, the time loop. I love seeing how characters break the loop like what is what is the cause of it how do we fix it how do we get out of here that kind of thing and when i saw that this was the setup for the introduction for ryan north run it like i was already excited it just got me even more excited because this was something different and and fresh and not starting us off on this gigantic story Mm. with you know information overload so many characters to get reintroduced to and establish within, you know, the 36 page confines or whatever. No, we're going to, we're going to take these two beloved characters. We're going to stick them in a weird situation and we're going to seemingly do like a bottle episode of the fantastic four for the very first issue. And I just, I thought that that was kind of brave, a little ballsy mm-hmm. uh, to be doing And I just, I loved the setting and and the, the characterizations were perfect. I love the two of them together. I think they're a tremendous couple in comics. Uh, I love Ben Grimm's kind of his exasperation and how Alicia is always calming him down. Um, Not that I'm a Ben Grimm in real life by any means, but that is certainly the dynamic that Bromlin and I share of that. I am always, you know, uh, not flying off the handle, but just getting in my own head about things. And she is the person that, you know, pulls me off of the ceiling with a rake and pulls me back (laughs) down to, to reality. And is like, it's really not as bad as you think. And here's why. And within the next couple of minutes, I just feel so much better. And that is what their dynamic reminds me of. Um, So this was just, this was like speaking Steve as I was reading it. And uh I mean I was I was thrilled to be reading a Ryan North Fantastic Four book in general. But seeing that this is how it's starting. And then of course the cliffhanger that it ends with, which I won't spoil yeah, here. Yeah, we can't yeah. No, but like that's cool. That's what the hell happened. So and we'll see that next issue it looks like based on I, the solicit. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna know what's up I'm 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 super excited about this. I'm I'm really jazzed for Ryan North to be to be writing. I really like the artwork that's on display okay. here. I don't know how long this artist is going to stick around, but but the shift the
2: shifts when we go from current artwork to grids to ultra grids with cutoffs at the top and bottom as we get into the more timey wimey elements of it. Yep. Brilliant choice. Whoever's choice it was is brilliant.
0: That um that page of uh, Ben taking on the truck yeah yeah is is absolutely fantastic. That is that that bottom that bottom battle is so good. Yeah, it's just it's a ton of fun. It's a nice little mystery as to where they are and what's happening. And I I dug it from top to bottom. And I'm I'm this is like just what I needed to to get excited about Fantastic Four all over again. So going from David's stuff like the finale of slots run to David's stuff to this was a really, really nice ride over the last couple of days. I enjoyed myself.
2: Yeah. That'd be interesting reading those all concurrently that way. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and for super fast. Uh, Cause I want to get Joey in here to talk about black Panther. Um, I love chilling adventures of Salem. I would totally <laughs> read <laughs> a a Salem, Salem, the cat, like detectives story of him going around solving like weird uh, animal possessions and stuff like that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked the, the characterization of Salem. It was a good time. Um, the other issue I wasn't s- as hot on, although I did really enjoy the first story with Veronica. I thought that that was well, a lot of They're
2: fun. all kind of connected because at the end of the issue, oh boy. Spoilers, sorry people. Um, Veronica in the Crow mascot issue is still standing there on stage with Sabrina about to be punished by Madame Satan. Yeah. They're all connected in this weird kind of way. Uh, There needs to be more chilling adventures. There does. uh, Visits, and I think Archie's missed the ball on this. Really, it's why we all got back into it with Sabrina back. What is it? Ten years ago, and there are nine issues yeah. of Sabrina.
0: <laughs> I think they could have they could have found someone else to be kind of the 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 leader of this yeah. stuff, and not just wait until Sakasa uh, yeah. has you know some free time to you know uh, scribble one of these out. But um,
2: yeah, Cullen, Cullen Bunn is obviously quite adept at writing this. We could have, he he does forty seven books a year. He could do another one.
0: <laughs> joey just sent some news we had we had almost next to no news
2: news all right um, next... what would you think of ff yeah
3: i really really here's the thing i had a little bit of anxiety because as i was reading it i'm like oh something's coming something's coming. <laughs> and not necessarily with this issue but i was like oh something's coming something something's setting up something and then just like you guys hinted on it when you talked about the the I guess the final page, I'm like, oh, crap! I knew <laughs> something was was going on. You know, Ben, I I just really liked, you know, this week's You know, the the theme of this week's show is banter. I, I just like yeah. the banter between Ben and Alicia. Uh, she got a little saucy when she, yes, you know, she did fell on top of him. I'm like, well, what's going on here? I'm like, how does that work? Never mind, I don't want to know. Um, well, but- thank you,
2: Johnny Storm from the second FF <laughs> movie, Rockslide. <laughs> I was like, "Yeesh, what's what's what's
3: what's going on there?" Um, so yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. I really really enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know that <laughs> what's the word? I, I I can't think of the detective couple, but that just the fact the way they worked together, which does beg the question: How come they don't? I I'm hoping this becomes more of a theme for this arc. Going full circle back to what you were saying, Steve, about the kids not being utilized enough, I think maybe if you, you know, take that to the extension of okay, the extended family becoming more a part of the bigger picture because I think Hickman kind of did that with with Future Foundations, where bringing them mm-hmm. into the fold and, and making them part of the bigger family, and they were relied upon for for things. So I'm hoping that becomes a case. It's a lot of characters to write for. Um, and some characters might get, you know, depending on what the story is, some characters characters might get pushed to the side every now and again. But um, I think there are ways to do that. And I think David Peppel sort of showed that with his, you know, uh, little mini arc really? there with, you know, putting Reed in a position where he is still present, but not the center. And it gave an opportunity for Sue to be Sue, you know, um, while you still had the entire FF there, but, the dynamics were different and therefore you're able to focus. So I'm hoping that that is something that
2: carries forward. Um,
3: and I just hope I just really enjoyed what we got here. Cool.
2: But Ryan North's a character guy. It's all about characters and individuals and how their interactions. So based on the interviews, based on his back matter, based on years of Squirrel Girl, I'm thrilled. He's the guy taking
0: over. Me too. All right, that's it for lightning rounds we are going to take a short break Ooh. but when we come back we are hopefully going to have Joey Brachino if he's not too sweepy to talk about Black Panther that's what he said <laughs> talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever we will be right back Everybody, we are back, and it is time to talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever. We have uh, Bob and Aaron, and Joey is also Woo-hoo. in the house. Nice. Hello, sir.
2: <laughs> You're supposed to say that about yourself.
0: Are I'm you? here.
1: The party nice. has arrived.
0: <laughs> nice. So, uh, th- I feel like this movie doesn't really need much of an introduction, but I'll, I'll give you the rundown. So, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the penultimate movie in, I guess, Marvel's current phase. I believe that Quantum Mania is the last movie in uh, this phase of Marvel's plan. Doesn't Black Panther close the phase? I thought so. I don't think so. Am I speaking out of turn? I don't Anyway, I'm checking right you now. Check, you, check check. That. Yeah, yeah. you check that while I go to through that. this stuff. Uh, <laughs> once right again, now. what? I'm checking right now. Good. Uh, once again, directed by Ryan Kugler and uh, written uh, written by Ryan Kugler and Joe Robert Cole and starring a, a cast of crates, including Lupita Nyongo, Letitia Wright. Uh, Danai Gurira, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Ooh. yo, lighten it up, uh, Tanak Huerta, Martin Freeman, Dominique Thorne, Florence Casamba, Michaela Cole, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, it's just, it's stacked all around.
1: Phase five begins with Ant-Man and Quantumania.
0: Oh, all right. The final movie in Marvel. (laughs) Shut up. The ultimate movie. I can't keep track of this crap anymore. There's too much of it.
2: This is the 30th movie. What? Really? Yeah. In the MCU, MCU, not even including the Sony stuff or the Fox stuff, just Marvel. Just just MCU movies.
0: Wow. So if you're not familiar, this is your first uh, Talking Comics movie review. Here's the deal. We will do non-spoiler thoughts first. Uh, And then after that, we will call spoilers. We will give you a warning. And then it is up to you whether or not you want to keep listening. I will urge you all at the top of this. If you have not seen Black Panther, go and see it. If you have seen it, go see it again. Because it's that good. Do who wants to go first? Because Joey made a comment in the chat that I wholly agree with, and it's kind of my my platform for this movie. I'll start then, so that you, you don't
1: take credit for my opinion. <laughs> oh, <damn it. laughs> um, so I saw. Oh, actually, Aaron should go first since he saw it. She saw it before it even opened, which I don't right. understand. Yeah, how he <laughs> See, got, he it a Wednesday, done. Aaron. I, I do
2: want to hear that the so, so Aaron of this.
1: should go
3: first, and then and then I'll uh, I'll share my take. No, I actually it was I, I didn't actually go to that showing, but it actually did show in Tyson, Virginia, on Wednesday night at seven. I don't know how, but I was so tempted, but there's no way I would have been able to make it from. here. It's like a in rush hour, it would have been like yeah. an hour. And it's some guy's ride. basement. He took the digital print. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I I didn't make it out to that one, but I did make it to Thursday, and it was interesting because it's about 15 minutes from my house. I got there. Um, I was in the back row doing my normal thing where I sort of sit there just so I can have my space to myself because usually at the time that I went, there's, it's just late enough so that I can wrap up my day a little bit early and get there. as a 5.30 show uh, and get there, but early enough so that you know, everyone else with their families and all that stuff usually don't have enough time to, oh. <laughs> to wrap up their day and get there. Um, so that's still held. But somehow I bought tickets next to a family of uh, two kids and a, uh, uh, an adult uh, that I didn't read that. Well, they bought their tickets next to me, I should say, because my seats were available. Anyway, I have I'm, I will admit that I was a little bit distracted by someone on their phone the whole time. But whatever. Um, I came into this movie. With a couple of emotions on deck already, there was a little bit of anxiety. Um, there was a little bit of sort of like pre-grief. I'm, I'm making that word up as I as I as I sit here. Love it. Um, there was excitement, you know, at you know, similar to how you would feel if you are seeing a a great friend that you haven't seen in forever. Um, and then there was the sadness of the realization of it all um so just there was a lot of things that were going on there now all of that was sort of just i would say if if i had to look at it in terms of what was paramount it was more so the excitement of of going into this space um i will say i enjoyed The way it started, I've talked on the show in the past about there being too much exposition at the front of a movie and then everything sort of being jam-packed into the last 10 or 15 minutes. I liked that it faced the realities, you know, of the real world immediately, you know, uh, sort of not concocting a drawn out, you know, story because we know we were never going to get that actor again because we just weren't. Um, I like that they went into that. I like that they positioned it in a way. I think Ryan Coogler and the writers were listening to the fan base after the news of Chadwick's death. And I think this movie was designed to help. Um, it may not not everyone may not, see it that way if you look at the individual parts but if you look at what the total was I think this film was meant to help and to give everyone an opportunity to do exactly what they're doing now and that is talk about the loss
2: walk through the stages walk
3: through the stages and enjoy the beauty at the end of it all um, and I think we got that uh, with this movie. So with that said, I'll pass it to someone else.
1: Yeah, I, I think that the so then you saw it at five thirty. I saw it at seven thirty on Thursday night. Um and uh I agree. I think that the movie is I went in expecting to be sad, obviously. Chadwick Bozeman's a fantastic actor, such a wonderful character. Um that he created in those movies and i loved his whole career you know i caught so many of his movies from thurgood mm-hmm. to 42 i even saw get on up you know which, <laughs> yeah, which is fun, fun you know like um so uh, huge presence huge huge loss and i was expecting that and i was expecting it immediately like you said you know the, the movie the, it just it opens with it so it's not really a spoiler and and i think that the way they handled it's very interesting um i was surprised then at just how consistently sad the movie is um it is a movie about grief it is a movie about distress and despair and it it really never lets up as these as these people who are already dealing with loss are just confronted with more and more of it, um, in various ways and, 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 and various meanings. Um, the movie really never lets up on that. And and I think you're right. I think that to some degree, it really is just an examination of everything that grief makes a person feel, um, and do, uh, even when, it's doing the kind of big superhero y set pieces. I it still felt sad. Like it was still angry or 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 distraught Denying or, or denial. Yeah. yeah. So like so it is a really, really mature film in that way. Um I do wonder what all the six-year-olds are thinking. But you know what? It's at thirty movies in, those six-year-olds are now you know, 28. So <laughs> I, I guess uh, that's an exaggeration. Those six-year-olds are now 20. So like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I do wonder about that, but for me, I think the movie was very, was great. I love the introduction of um, uh, Namor. I think it's such a very uh, interesting take on the character. And we'll talk more about, it, I'm sure. Um, the cast is great, but you could tell like the cast playing these characters who are grieving the cast was as well. And and that really came through. There are, there were moments of the movie where that just the feelings of despair did weigh on me a little bit, but again, I don't think in any way that was unwelcome. I think that I, I, I understood why we were, why we were, why we were in that space. Um, as I said in the chat, I really only have one major complaint about the film, because overall I thoroughly enjoyed it, found it very entertaining, thought it explored what it needed to explore, introduced wonderful characters, well acted, for the most part looked great, the music is fantastic, but there is just one sequence at the very end of the movie mm-hmm. where I just strongly dislike the, the the visual effects and the CG on the design of and the setting. Um, you know, all the, a lot, all these movies now are just like in studio lots and blue screens and all that stuff. And for the most part, the movie looks fantastic. Um, but there was just one choice at the very end of the movie where it it did (laughs) not look good to me. And I'll be honest, it did take me out of it for, for a hot second. Um, which is a bummer because like the stakes at the end of the movie are, are great. And, and the, the emotional arc that, that gets us there is great. But I had a moment where I was just like, this looks bad. Um, and you don't want that. You don't want that to be, especially in your in your final act um, sequence. But genuinely speaking, other than that final complaint towards the end of the movie, I I really, really enjoyed it and, and would recommend it wholeheartedly.
0: Okay. Amen.
2: Yeah, it's I would for have me,
0: stolen, I, stolen like 25% of what you just said. Yeah. Go ahead, Here's Bob. the thing. I
2: saw it at 7 30 at my local theater on thursday and as i drove up to the theater i came right from work and i stopped actually look at email from you guys and i went to the theater i drove up the power was out in the theater (laughs) literally dark and the other side of the street dark there were so many people lined up around the theater waiting to see this picture and the 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 owner of the, of the the independent theater, I go to see it in Saville, Long Island. We'll do everything we can, and here comes the power company to fix the pole and fix the transformer. So many people were so into this. There was one fella who was trying to buy tickets to another theater to make sure he could see it. That moment, he didn't want it spoiled. Didn't want the emotion to be carried by someone else than his own perceptions. So we had a at a 7.30 on a Thursday in Little Sable, Long Island, a theater half-filled. That's pretty incredible. You, you don't see that. And you open, as both, both you gentlemen have said, with this emotional moment that allows us to grieve, as well as the characters, as the movie goes on these people we knew from the first movie and and the little sidebars and the other Avengers things get so fleshed out. Mm -hmm. We are so involved in their grief and their process. Every moment means something. And in a movie that's two hours and 40 minutes, give or take, that plays like an hour 40, it just flies by and yet we're still crying laughing smiling this is this is the if it didn't have superhero moments this is still a great no that's wrong to say this is a great film because at its core it is that epic hollywood war and peace dr shivago lawrence of arabia an epic And we care about everything that's going on for all the right reasons. We're introduced to a villain who isn't really a villain. His motives, I, I, look, you could debate Thanos is right or who is right or whatever, and he was definitely wrong. But Namor here, and the, the changes are done brilliantly, I thought. And as a person who's a big Namor fan from 60 years back, it all works the way he puts out what is he wants to do and why he wants to do it make a lot of sense. His methods for getting there, not so much, but it still all works. And that plays in. We, as we see going this through this, it would have been at, at some level to me I trust Ryan Kugler. but incomprehensible that after what happened with the tragic passing of Chadwick Bozeman that you could get to hear, considering what he had to juggle. This is brilliant. This is a filmmaker at the top of their game. Loved everything about this. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Indeed.
0: Uh well, I saw it at 220 on a Sunday, like a real <laughs> fan. <laughs> <laughs> <Slacker>. <laughs> you weren't you weren't committed i listen i had tickets we had to to take them away and then move it to another day uh it was for the best i would have had to go by myself if i had gone on friday and that that would not have been good no so i cried yes probably through the first 15 minutes of this movie uh, I guess I'll I'll save it for for spoilers I suppose. But man, when Joey said that this movie is sad, <laughs> I have to agree with him. There is a deep and abiding sadness that is permeating throughout this movie. It's as if Ryan Coogler went to like the Jeff Lemire school of sadness, <laughs> and and made this story about trying to reach out to everyone who's been affected by Bozeman's passing
2: yes, that's it perfectly yes
0: you know and and present this like i said like a deep and abiding sadness but also this very therapeutic film this beautiful film with not not beating you over the head with nods and and with direct tributes to bozeman and his character and and him as a person and as a legend in his field and in people's hearts and stuff like that but maybe offering a little bit of closure for marvel fans who only Mm. know him through the black panther character and i think it really really speaks to how much of an impact one person can have when you think of how big the marvel universe is that chadwick was only in a few films but managed to reach so many people and stand as a symbol to many and for him to have made the impact that he did in this role and have his presence be felt throughout the entire movie um and that kind of roller coaster of a journey like joey had said i think that the sadness was there because that's what a lot of fans and a lot of people making this movie had been feeling especially when he passed away and how they were gearing up to start working on the new film and then they lost someone who was so important to them and i think that that sadness follows the 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 remaining characters and one character's journey in particular throughout this movie and kind of what they go through and where they end up and what they have taken away from them throughout the next chapter of the Black Panther uh, series or franchise, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Um, I absolutely positively loved this like i said i bawled i balled my eyes out on several occasions and i knew that i would get emotional i had i had mentally prepared myself for it i didn't doesn't know. matter
2: though right you just no, know
0: like it. i didn't i obviously I, I didn't i didn't get spoiled by anything even even writing about the movie i didn't really glean much from the information that i had gotten um they seem to have gotten better about keeping some of that stuff like locked up you have to it's the, the the people that go out and see it early or that purposefully go out online and expose things on purpose as are the ones that you really need to look out for but thankfully i don't travel uh in those circles and what i got was just this visually arresting sad superhero story about a, a new a new character assuming the mantle and coming into their own and how do you how do you go on how do you defend a nation when your hero is gone how do you prove to the rest of the world that not only do you still matter but that you are still at the top of your power and to and that you are not to be underestimated there's a couple of scenes in the beginning that we'll talk about when we get into um that that
2: character has a journey
0: Oh, man. Like, yes. Angela Bassett in this movie. Oh. oh. Oh my god, just pure fire uh in in every scene and I I chills every time that she would uh lay it down and and let everybody know where she and Wakanda are at in this movie. I was really really moved by that stuff. Um but overall I I really really enjoyed it. Loved, loved, loved Namor. Um, I still think that Marvel is kind of... We saw the trailer for uh, The Little Mermaid ahead of, of the movie. And the one thing that Disney's doing with a lot of these live action stuff is I'm a little surprised by how dark their lighting is for certain things. And I was wrestling with it throughout this movie where we're deep, deep, deep underwater. So you're not gonna get a lot of like light penetration down by where we are, but um, I couldn't just help feel like maybe they could have brightened things up a little bit when we were when we were down there. Uh, and then I do agree with Joey that some of the final act, um, there was one set piece in particular that when we were introduced to it, I was kind of like, "Wow, really? Ooh, that's a choice." <laughs> yeah, you went with that. Okay. Yeah, like, like that's a that's a ooh. Yeah. um who like, drew that one right like <laughs> oh man let's find the credits <laughs> like, not only is that ugly but you made it really big yeah, but it's anyway like, it, not but we'll talk about it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we'll go into spoilers in just a second i just overall i i really really loved it i loved sitting next to bronwyn while watching it her and i were holding hands For a vast majority of the movie. And just, you know, every now and again, stealing glances at each other. I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. And I'm just leaning over to her and look at this fucking movie. Yeah. end of the day, like
1: those, those, that, like that thing that looks ugly, it doesn't matter. Cause that's not anything that matters in this movie. (laughs) You know, like, like all of those big action set pieces that like superhero movies have to do genre wise. That is not what people are walking out of this movie talking about. You know,
2: like people in my theater, I'm sure with you guys, too, were emotional. You could hear the sobbing in the theater. There were in my screening standing ovation at the end of it.
0: People Uh, stood up
2: and clapped.
0: See, one of the things we can move into spoilers now, we're going to we'll give everybody a warning. If uh, if you've not seen Black Panther, we're going to talk about spoilers now. So this is your chance to dip away, come back next week for another episode of the podcast. Three, two, one. Okay. So the thing that got me, I knew you could tell from the trailers that they show funeral footage for T'Challa. I said to myself before I went in to see this movie, I said, that's going to be the opening of the movie. They're going to hit you with it right at the start and and that's gonna just bring the house down and set the tone for the rest of this movie i expected this movie to be sad but because it's this you know triple a marvel blockbuster i figured we would do the sad and move on and we would get into the (laughs) super colorful super bombastic um underwater sea adventure Big, you know, big CGI finish. And for the most part, that's what we got. But I never expected to to, for, for the emotional journey to last the entire three hours that this movie is like it started right from the jump when the when the when the previews were over, when the coming attractions were over and that Marvel logo that silent Marvel logo with yeah. all the Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. and Black Panther footage in it. Oh, my God. What a beautiful like I we didn't get any, any crying, sobbing people aside from me and Bronwyn in our theater. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a standing ovation. But what we did get was drop dead silence, silence. for yes. the entire. And we had a chatter next to us. There were these two dudes that were just yapping it up. Like even through the previews, just yappy, yappy 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 yappy, talking about whatever. As soon as the movie started, they went quiet, and I was like, "Yes, good job, guys!" Uh, and that logo came up. The entire a hush fell over the crowd. Everybody prepared themselves, and you get this absolutely moving, gorgeous celebration of life for T'Challa, in this absolutely just devastating sequence of, of events of his, his funeral and whatnot. When you, see his, I, call, when
2: you see his coffin with the profile uh, on it.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's why I cry.
2: I cry. Yes. I, I don't yep.
0: like crying in theaters because I don't like oh. crying in front of strangers. I'm, I feel I, like no, see, I'm
2: by myself. So I, I go for it. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I don't get deserve you. to I get see you. me that way. <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> I just, I I'm sitting there and I'm trying to hold it in. And um, I'm like, hey, come on, Steve, be strong. You you knew this was coming. You don't have to. Cry. And I couldn't help it. I'm wiping tears. They're going into my my mask that I'm wearing. So I'm still wearing masks when Coffey. I go out. And I'm just like the whole top of my mask is getting soaked. And I, I I could not believe how moved I was by all of this. And like I said earlier, for someone to have made such an impact like i i've seen chadwick in a few other films but i mean i know him as black panther and i just could not get over how much my heart hurt in so many different ways during this sequence and what so many audience members and what the cast members and filmmakers behind this movie must have gone through and are going through as they're filming this and that that emotion pouring out of the screen for this movie i just i felt it washing over me like a wave and it was it was beautiful and i loved it so that's my little piece um i don't know that i have too many spoilery thoughts um beyond the big ass ugly ship at the end
1: (laughs) Honestly, why was it so tall? Like I like, why was it so tall? If it wasn't so tall, I don't think I would be that mad about it. But it was, it was just sitting so- high in the water, right? It was <laughs> like, like I- it was like it was like the old helicarrier design, like from like the yeah. 70s comics, just like in the water. And apparently it w- it had just like this one little like subwoofer that was making it float that that <laughs> Namora no instead Like that, I was just like shocked. I was like, of all of the places and all of the like visual design you could have done all you did was put like a 40 foot tall silver dome in the middle of a the atlantic ocean and that's where your final fight is going to be and uh, i was like i was shocked and appalled i was like this 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 movie deserves so much better than this
2: (laughs) uh from 10 years ago absolutely yeah
1: the fight choreography in that scene was so cool with the dormilage jumping off the top like and and riri doing her thing flying around so cool loved it all but any of the wide shots of this 40 foot tall like shining steel helicarrier in the water i was like that is the ugliest thing i've Scene
2: like movie. a giant wedge triangle just sitting there. Absolutely, yeah.
3: I think I expected because there was so much of that. Well, it's called white space in the middle of the ship, um, that was not being used with the exception of them running up and down. So, I expected there to be internal scenes at some point where yeah, really oh, like, I
2: hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're I just, absolutely right. I just, yeah,
1: like, the, like the, there was so much, first of all. Talokan, all that, like the all, there was so much of like Nakia standing on the beach by like that pyramid. I was like, yeah. do it there, do like, it like there. literally yeah. anywhere else than where we are right now. Um, thank God that like you know Black Panther and Nam- Namor end up like on that beach because that confrontation was awesome because it was like semi practical and it was fine. But like I was, I was just like appalled. I was like, I I feel so bad because this movie had me until that moment um no i i again i'm with you like the movie starts with a really frantic scene and it it just did not let up i love the introduction of riri i think she really brought a a sense of Mm -hmm. of hope and levity to the film um dominique thorne is fantastic i'm really looking forward to the iron heart series it's hard because you know Letitia Wright and and Lupita Nyong'o is, as as uh, and Dene Guerrero too as as Okoye and and Shuri and Nakia like they are obviously are heroes in this film and obviously with Shuri stepping up to the mantle as well but th- their grief never goes away like you're we're sitting with them grieving really the whole time and that turns into anger and that turns into drive and that turns into sorrow so like. So like I'm, i I understand why they felt the need to bring in Riri because I think without Riri, yeah, it, it would have been it would Winston have been. Heavy. Winston Duke too is Mbaku. Yeah. With, but yeah, Winston Duke, I think, as Mbaku really occupying a really wonderful space um in the film, especially considering his growth over the first film and, yeah, and through Endgame. Yeah. Or Infinity yeah,
3: his, War rather. His just being um more of a citizen. Yeah, more yeah, of a, it's perfect. Overarching love of their culture than uh, a you know outlying you know sort of like grimace get off my lawn. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, uh, I will say it was probably midway through when I realized that they were not even midway through. Probably part, maybe a third way through when I realized that he literally was, he probably could have named each section of the movie after one of the phases of of, of, of mm-hmm. grief. Like, literally, she was in absolute denial, you know, in the beginning when, you know, everything happened. Then she got really angry, which kind of, you know, went through. And then, you know, with the whole, you know, spirit world, there was a, a little bit of that bargaining and then depression around that. And then finally yeah. at the end, sort of understanding... Yeah. I mean, literally it was just that textbook, so I was like this 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 was intentional that was that was intentional I think it was intentional because he knows he being around cool news knew that you know people were you were always going to have unless you addressed it and addressed it thoroughly, you were always going to have that lingering Oh God! Why not Chadwick? I wish Chadwick. You know, and why? You know what I mean. And 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 it would have been understandable, but it would have been unfinished business. It would have been unfinished conversation. It would have been this thing that would have continued to sort of loom, you know, somewhere above and around any movie, you know, related to Wakanda that they would have made. So they so smart. I I really do believe he had to sort of go through it, sort of. Yeah, walk, walk walk through all the phases where he's like, "We get it. We've been listening to you guys for X number of years now. As soon as we knew, we knew this was. I think you know. I think he and Chadwick knew it was probably going to happen. And I'm, I'm I'm convinced that they probably had a conversation about it because you know Chadwick was suffering while filming the first one. Yeah. Um. And you know, I I think he knew that we were never going to be able to get to a space of enjoying until you addressed all those things, and then I think. The cherry on top was the reward,
2: was the mid
3: credit scene. Yeah. You know, yeah. But the, you, you know, you know, you know what's
2: the, That's the cherry on the Sunday. The syrup and the whipped cream on the Sunday is Shuri on the ancestral plane and who she sees, and it's Killmonger.
3: Yeah. That's why I was saying, I think that's where the, that's where I think the bargaining was coming in. Yes. Well, it's angry.
1: and, and, And that's the thing that I really respected about the film too. Like it is so explicitly about grief. And I think you're right. Like you, this is a movie that had to be made the way that it was made. And it had to be the story that it tells, right? Like everyone in this movie, the thing I love about this movie is it acknowledges that for us as the audience and for the characters on stage, on stage, sorry, on screen, Mm. you know, it's impossible to imagine this world without Mm -hmm. Chadwick Mm -hmm. Boseman's T'Challa. Right. And there were, there were many moments throughout this movie where I felt, I was like, I miss him. You know, I miss him. Mm -hmm. I miss his character. I miss what he represented. I missed, I missed his poise. I missed like the quip that he would have made there or his, you know, his smile in that moment. Right. Like you miss that. And, to have ma- to to try and make a film ignoring it that doesn't address that, right? it doesn't yes. can- yes. you can't like you can't and I, I and and I think that the characters in the film too acknowledge that as well and like Shuri is reluctant and and Re- Queen Ramona is reluctant and Nakia is reluctant and 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 all of that reluctance and fear and despair and that how do we move on? That's what this movie's about. I got to tell you. When Namor and the Atlanteans, the telecon or whatever, uh, roll into Wakanda in probably the best sequence in the film, the invasion of Wakanda, Mm -hmm. right? The attack on Wakanda. And one of the saddest moments. I I got to tell you, like, I'm watching this. I'm watching this this and I'm like, I'd say maybe a half an hour. in. this is what I thought you were going to say, Aaron. About a half hour in, I was like, "Somebody else is gonna die in this movie." Oh, oh, absolutely, and oh, absolutely. I and and I was I was leaning towards Mbaku. I was like, I got a feeling it's gonna be Mbaku, Wouldn't and I late. shouldn't, and I and I and I and I because I because I, I thought to myself, "All right, he's filling this like advisor role. He's talking to Shuri more. He's trying to take care of everybody, right?" And then he eats that heart <laughs> punch, and I'm like, "They did it." He's gone, (laughs) but, 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 and the reason why I should have known it was going to be the queen and I didn't, I was like, there's no way they're not going to do all of that to Shuri. They're not going to do all of that to this family, you know, like, and when they did that and Angela Bassett is like face down in the water,
2: trying to save people doing the right thing. Yep, I was like,
1: how? Who do they think we are? Like, like, how, how, <laughs> I raised my fist at the screen. I was, I, I am, I was like devastated. Yes. I was like, I can How much more can they expect us to take? Because she eats this movie for the first hour and a half. Yes. She is like, <laughs> oh, she okay. is queen of Wakanda, and she that opening scene when you know it's like one year later, and oh, when she, they're in the courtroom. Yeah, she's there at the UN, and she like she like like curb stomps the United States, <laughs> <laughs> and that French that French um the Secretary of State too. I was like, I was like, this Wakanda is in good hands. We don't have to worry about that, you know. Like I was okay, and then Namor invades, and I'm like, something is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I feel it. And like I said, I thought it was going to be M'Baku and then when M'Baku eats the hard punch and lands in the bar and he kind of like coughs and it's like a little bit of a like a gag moment. I was like, oh, so it's not going to be M'Baku. Who else could it? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And then she falls in the water and I'm like, it's about to happen. And I could not in that moment fathom more loss. Yep. And that Shuri has to go through that Twice in the same movie, and you just feel that anger and that grief. And and the one thing I'll say, yeah. and, and I know I've been talking for a while, so I, I want to stop, but it, it's it's I'm really eager to see Shuri continue to evolve as a character because I think a lot of the charm and humor and wit that Letitia Wright was so Able to play so winsomely in the first film, she could not fall back on in this movie because it was just grief. It's, and her. it's loss not her brother that all. she can do this. Exactly. Yes. So so I I felt her journey in this film, and I and I loved watching her kind of come into her own. I'm eager to see her <laughs> do a Black Panther movie where she's not just like
2: Utterly devastated every scene because I was it,
1: like, damn girl, you are going through it and they are not taking you out of this.
2: So, is the, the mid-credit sequence is that no. to turn around?
1: You get to see her smile in that yes. moment. Yes. And, and I, time, I gotta I, say, go ahead there.
3: I think they recognize that we need to have some of those points in the movie, so I think they gave that to Okoye. I think they gave a lot of those, I won't say whimsical, but a lot of those comedic Sort of being comedic without, oh yeah, without trying to be comedic mm-hmm. moments to her to and Riri, sort of, yeah, to give you those spots so that uh, that Sherry can can go through what she's going through, and I think she accepted that challenge like full on, and, and yeah. I, I I was enjoying her, and then you know, but I also enjoyed that without so much as missing a beat, she can go from that. Very self assured, very accomplished. I'm about to take on three, uh, what what, telecon or whatever you want to call them. I can't, I can never remember. Yeah. Uh, but I'm about to take on all three of them and I'm about to hold my own, you know, for the most part, Mm -hmm. you know, out of this, the seconds after just doing this whole like stretch of comedy. Yeah. Like straight into like desperation and anger. And defiance, and I really, just I I I don't know. I was sort of focused on that for a while. It's like, yeah. damn. I'm like, she's 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 giving In, it all. And then we we'll did the Midnight of-
2: Angels too. Yeah, which brief, was, all too uh, brief. But uh, could Marvel do a better job with that? Yes, but you know what? It's there, and let's build forward. I want to see Wakanda, Marvel Plus series.
1: Oh yeah. I think that this builds to that. Absolutely. Aneka, IO, that, 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 that couple with the midnight angel stuff. Absolutely. I think you'll absolutely get that special presentation, Disney plus series, whatever, like you'll get something for sure. The world feels settled in a way, you know, like the first movie built this wonderful world, but then you went into infinity, infinity game, infinity war, end game and you have that time jump so like all of that world building and capitalizing on it couldn't happen and then you have to make you have to make this movie as we've expressed right so finally now at the end wakanda feels settled in a way where there are stories that you can tell you know
3: so i'm, I'm eager to see where the world goes from here I will say that I was a little irritated. There was a point where, (laughs) where I won't lie, there was a point where I was just like, yeah, I knew they shouldn't have revealed themselves to the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was just like, there's no reason. There's no reason. I'm like, we cannot be trusted at all. But I also wanted to point out um, one of the things that I think was maybe a hold, not a holdover, but maybe like just a, a little bit of a tie-in to the first film, Killmonger's um, speech in the first film about what could have been done had we shared and mm-hmm. all these things and the, the alliances and the things that we could have saved. And then you have another civilization who has only benefited from not, you know, being a part of, yes. you know, let's just say the the... The queen's reign, you know, the 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 you know the the victimization, the colonization, which by the way, that Reginald Hudlin version of was talking about went deep into that. Oh yeah. Um, but um, you know, it's just it. I, I think it was another example or another opportunity to say, okay, listen, I, I know we 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 sat in Africa through the whole film and basically made you think about. The realities, or the potential, the possibilities of what Africa could have been on the world stage, Given. had it not, mm-hmm. you know, been, you know, uh, let's just say, say raped by, raped and pillaged, you know, yes. and pillaged by, you know, colonizers. Um, but I know there were people that were probably like, "All right, fine, we get it, CRT, whatever. Um, you know, we don't really, <laughs> you know, can we not put it, you know, put it in our movies, whatever." Get over yourself. So he came at it from another perspective and said, We're not the only ones. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. so he goes, You know, there's there's a, a lot of cultures out there that are kind of waiting for you to give them their shit back now because, you know, of what, you know, recent events and also whose development was stunted. And we're just going to give you another example and ask yourself, What would happen if, the, <laughs> if these, or if these, uh, community societies were to have evolved and were to have aligned. And I think it was sort of just, it was advancing that conversation from the first one um, and, and, and expanding upon it in this way. And I think because of the speech that Namor gave, you know, after, you know, just before the end, after he was being questioned by, you know, one of his lieutenants um, means it's going to probably continue to be a, a theme, yeah. the, them, these societies. Again, we don't want, we have seen what you have done. We don't want you in our space like that, but we will entertain, you know, you knowing that we are here. Yeah. Um, which I thought was just like a boss move to be 100% honest with you. Sort of it's like, not, yeah, you want to be it? yes, don't you?
1: It's not an easy conflict either because now you have these two powers who mm-hmm. represent you know, colonized peoples that were never colonized at war with each other. Like, it is the yep. hardest. It's like, a, it's a really hard film to it's watch because then yeah. not only are you dealing with this grief, but then like the more kind of complex political what have mm-hmm. yous of the film and these two kingdoms. It's like, yeah, all them, all them white people up in Europe and America are like, yes, yeah. yes, fight each other. Yes. and And I think that, I think that's why you have this kind of like shoehorned in interesting government cia plot going on in the background too so I, I i think you're right i think we see this playing out in thunderbolts i see we th- see this playing out moving forward too mm-hmm. as you have these two powers who should be teaming up to you know really save oppressed peoples in the world well, well we have that we have the recap
2: moment where namor is saying we're aligned. They may not realize it quite yet, but I, I've made alliances now. I've made inroads.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about at the end, where he's basically calling. In. I was like, no, this... It looks like I yielded out of, you know, being beaten, although I was smacked down. But there's value in that.
1: Yeah. I But what so I... When they
3: need us, they'll call us.
1: What I love about Tina Quartz is Namor.
2: Yeah, let's go for this, because he is so great in this. Is I...
1: Even in that final moment, he, you never quite view him as the good guy. You know, like there is he is the unlike other quote unquote anti-heroes that we've seen in the last couple of yeah. months. Um, Tina Cortez Namor is so nuanced. Mm-hmm. He's charming. He's 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 always there's always a little bit of malice but there's a nobility and there's a justification he's very complex nuanced character and even in that moment when at the end he's like oh yes i never yielded we are now aligned he also has that line where he's like and now wakanda will rely on us and I can ask them for what I want, right? So even when he, well, even when you are confronted with a, a potential kind of like heroism in him, there's still that kind of mm, I don't know, you know? It's like, and that I think is the mark of a true antihero, not just like brutally
2: murdering people, you know? No, like, he's he's uh, the name yeah. of Bill Everett and Stan and Jack. He is that guy, yeah. That in the space of one issue could team up with Dr. Doom and fight him by the end of the issue, because he realized yeah. I kind of made a mistake here. He's, he's so perfectly cast. So perfectly active, so perfectly written here. I had some friends, older guys complain. Oh, he's not. Yes, he is. Look, Ryan Coogler made a, a brilliant decision in that after, Aquaman, you couldn't do the same kind of Atlantis you did before, because people who are not us who wouldn't understand Namor comes first and all the rest of it. So they found these Mayan myths that now tie into the conquistadors and the European invasion of Central America. And it all ties together in this. And it's really done in a sort of shorthand. You get to see his origin in in these montages they are emotional and deep no pun intended and you you understand him you don't necessarily agree but you can see his point of view and that this talented actor could play the various shades of this not even scene to scene line to line as you can watch his expressions yeah. Brilliant choice across the board uh, on this. I, I'm I'll look. I'm a Namor fan from way, way back. And yes, would have wanted to see Namor McKenzie. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you know what? This was perfect. This was I, spot on.
1: I tell you what, though, get ready for that mini series from Marvel Comics next oh, year. I want to see it. I want to <laughs> see it.
2: I want to see the Disney Plus version yeah. too.
1: Nemo being like, oh, uh, in the comics, you know, illustrated by, I don't know, Humberto Ramos or somebody, yes. being like, you know, being like, oh, yes, in my language, Atlantis is actually pronounced Telokan. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's just like, all right, wipe our hands of that one. Yeah. Check, check, check. Marvel Comics now said in
3: Telokan. You know, um, get ready for that. I will say, in terms of the, in terms of Namor, there were points at which. I think when he first brought Shuri back, and you know, and she was prisoner, there were points at which I was like, okay, there's that pompous regalness, you know, that imperious rex. That, yes, that, exactly. That I am accustomed to seeing with Namor, but there were a couple of points where I felt like it he devolved a little bit into sort of like mustache twirling bully. Which I thought, which took me a that's, little that's, bit out. That's, so.
2: But here's the thing, not not to play the age game because I'm an old fart. Um, that's the Everett era. Got it. That's going it. back to the 40s. So and no, and don't get he mentioned blended both. But I, I see what you're saying. I absolutely agree. Yeah,
3: I, I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't. And I don't mean to imply that I wish he was nicer. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I wanted him to 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 do those things. I was just saying, I it. I, my obviously my exposure to Namor is, is 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 incredibly limited, but I'm always just accustomed. I I keep thinking of when he flooded, uh, Wakanda, and that was it Hickman. It's Hickman, Hickman's, yeah. Hickman Avengers. Uh, Avengers versus X Men. Yeah, and and there it's was Bendis. just that sort of, I I flood this land because you're beneath me, type mm-hmm. you know scenario. Um, and I just felt like there was a couple just and again this did nothing to my enjoyment There was a couple acting choices where I felt like all right, he. Kind of came off less like a a pompous, where you are beneath me, and more like a a, a bully. Which I get. Um, it, it was a choice that was relevant to this characterization of Namor, and I think it worked. Um, it just took me a second to adjust to it.
2: But, yeah. Again, yeah, as, as, as someone thing. who's who's read this character for many many years, he is mercurial. Yeah. And for me, uh, as you say, with your exposure, it's a little different for me. That struck me as, yeah, he is that and that and that and that and that. Yeah. And also, they uh, found the right actor and the the right production to, to introduce him. If he had come into play 10 years ago in the Marvel Universe, I don't know we'd have gotten this many layers of characterization.
3: Yeah. No. I also enjoyed the conversation a very deliberate conversation between him and shuri uh about what they have in common yes can they work together you know why it's important what they both have to gain and what they both have to lose because nothing he was saying was wrong you know in terms of the stakes the Mm -hmm. methods probably not the way we want to go but the stakes they were identical between the two of them um, over the same thing. Um, I mean, you even saw it when, you know, they attacked that ship, uh, that mining ship or whatever it was. Um, The first persons that were blamed were the Wakandans. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, they're going to come for you. There's now or later. um, We could
2: stand together and do something about this. Yes,
3: exactly. I thought that was a beautifully placed conversation that was perfectly recalled later. When, you know, well, <laughs> Miss Girl uh, <laughs> decided to, uh, you know, put her little plan into place, which we, you know, are we, we going to talk about her contest?
2: Yes, of course. Oh, my favorite, yeah. my favorite cameo moment, not expecting at all to see Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Val. Uh,
3: and- especially, not, I did not expect the <laughs> little relationship there.
2: Yeah, who knew that was coming? But
3: oh,
2: oh, oh, okay, you know, um, where does this lead to in terms of Thunderbolts?
3: Mm-hmm. We know somebody. We know Ross is on the run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we know that's the case. But I think again. you
1: know it's interesting. I think what you're going to see, and we're kind of moving away from the film here too into the future. But I think, I think that the Thunderbolts and Julia Louis Dreyfus is representing a little bit of that Dark Reign era. And I don't think you're going to get... like Everyone's like, oh, Norman Osborn, blah, 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 blah. blah. I don't think you're going to get that. I think what you're seeing now is that as the Avengers have disbanded and we're in this post-blip world, and now these governments of the world are trying to recuperate power... So they're gunning for the vibranium and they're going to start, you know, building their own super teams and they're going to become nationalized and you're going to s- kind of see this more like dark rain kind of, I think that's what Thunderbolts is going to represent, right? Like Julia, we is being like, you guys are the heroes. You represent the United States government. We need vibranium, you know, like this is, this is what it means to be mm-hmm. like everything that dark rain was kind of about, so I think that what you're seeing here in the background of this movie that was really more in the or in the foreground about Shuri about Shuri Shuri grieving and recovering from that grief and finding her finding her place as this new hero of Wakanda. In the background of this movie, you have the real world, and that real world is all of the machinations of these like you know government powers, like you know finding like trying to mine resources and those resources are literal like vibranium and tech and all that stuff but also superpowers and i think that's what you're seeing in the background i think julia louis dreyfus as this kind of cia director representative represents that and that's what i think you're gonna get great
2: which could include the red hulk
1: No, we're not getting a Red Hulk. Come like, on, I, I, I want I the I Red Hulk, so,
2: played by Harrison Ford. I I, you're,
1: we're not getting a Red Hulk. It's <laughs> okay. it is. I, I don't understand. Like the Red Hulk, I read the Red Hulk. I read Jeff Love's Red Hulk, and it was the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't understand why there's so many like okay, so Red many she I want the Red
2: She Hulk then.
3: I was going to say, why are you going to have Harrison Ford and his brittle bone disease go up there and try to do stunts? <laughs> <in the laughs> red uh, do you think Harrison Ford's putting on
1: a tracking suit?
0: Absolutely nope. not. Nope. Uh,
3: please. Steve, how, you Steve, how are you
0: feeling? In- we haven't heard from you in a while. I've just been listening. I've just been having a good time. Um, I mean, I I don't, you know, you guys went here, there and everywhere, and I agree <laughs> with, with everything that's been said. I, I think one of the other larger things for me, I did have an Angela Bassett um, little tidbit, if you'd like it yes, uh, as regards to her, her death in the film. She actually objected to the death at first. Oh. She went to Ryan. She said, why you will rue the day you will rue the eyes <laughs> of Ramada. People are going to be so upset. Mm-hmm. And then she says, uh, Director Ryan Coogler was quick to point out that no one's ever really dead in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, He was like, Angela, I know, I know, but look, to die is not to really die in this world. Uh, It doesn't really have to mean that. So he said all kinds of crazy things can happen. So take that for what you will. I don't know if that means that we're going to see her in the ancestral plane going forward or if she'll return in some way. Um, I don't think she's going to return. I think that we could possibly see her in a Disney plus series or a black Panther three as Mm -hmm. part of the ancestral plane for sure. Um, but I don't think they're going to be doing any like X-Men style resurrections for Ramonda. Um, one of the big takeaways for me from this movie, you know, we talked about the sadness and everything. Um, I have not forgotten the kerfuffle, that uh, Letitia Wright was involved with uh, during the making of this movie with sharing misinformation about uh, COVID and vaccines and stuff like that. And I do have to admit that it colored a little bit of my excitement, not necessarily for the movie, but for her. And I think it it really, really hurt when that stuff came out Because I loved Shuri in that first movie. And I loved Letitia Wright in that role. And I was really, really afraid of what that would do for this movie. And if if it would affect the performance for me. And while it's still in the back of my mind, because I have a long memory when it comes (laughs) to some of that stuff. I do have to say that her performance was tremendous. And that I really do enjoy. It's one of the few times that I've been able to accept the person and then the character. Uh, I can't say that that'll be the same for when Evangeline Lilly comes back as Hope Van Dyne, but we'll see. Um, I was wrapped up in Shuri's journey and we talked about how sad the movie is and how angry the movie uh, feels at times. And I think that very much mirrors the Shuri's journey toward becoming the Black Panther. And I think that this is one of those movies that the more you watch it, the more those things will align. And I think it speaks to how brilliant Ryan Coogler is as a filmmaker. Yeah. And he he just, he knows what he's doing. And he knows how to match the story with the characters and, and create this perfect marriage for them. And, you know, people have kind of been speaking very broadly here, but a lot of people, I see a lot of stuff online. Uh, I listen to a couple of podcasts and I I get kind of like the temperature of the room when it comes to the Marvel stuff. And there are people that feel like we've hit a saturation point with this stuff and that. Uh, the thrill of the Marvel stuff kind of left them after the Infinity War stuff ended. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they don't really know what the trajectory is of these newer movies and what they're building toward. And they really don't see the connective tissue between you know these new phases of movies and stuff like that. And I can see that, but then I go and I see a movie like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and I enjoy all the Marvel movies to whatever extent. But Wakanda Forever is operating on such a different emotional level that it hits so much harder than the other Marvel movies for me. As wonderful as some of them are, movies like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings uh, really stands out to me as, as one of the best of the more recent films that I enjoyed. But Wakanda Forever, that scene of... Uh, Queen Ramanda and Okoye and Okoye comes back and, and she's being she's being mm. banished from the Dora Oof. Milaje And Ramanda gets up in that in front of that room and it's in the trailer. And it hit me in the trailer, but my God. You see the scene of it. Me. Yes. Uh, yeah, after after going to the funeral, after after kind of feeling what's coming with her, or you know, like Joey said, not really knowing, but just feeling like something's coming. And she's in the middle of that room, and she shouts. She's like, "My whole family is gone," and Okoye breaks into tears as, like, her mission is falling apart in front of her, as well as grieving for her queen and for her own loss in T'Challa. And oh my god, all of that emotion just being balled up and thrown up into the air in that room yeah. during that scene hit me like a truck and i love the marvel universe i love these movies i love being a part of this culture and talking about these movies with people and everything but i will be damned if this movie didn't hit me on a whole other level um emotionally speaking uh during those scenes and and angela bassett was just an absolute star in this and i i, I If I end with anything, I'll just say that I I really enjoyed a lot of the performances all around. I'm very excited to see Ironheart uh, when she gets her own series. I do hope that whoever's making the Ironheart series, and I do believe there are some really good people uh, involved. I just hope that they accept her role in Wakanda Forever as the... The the trampoline or the, the jump off point for her. And they don't do the thing they often do in comics where they bust her down for her own series to go back into the origin. Maybe we'll get a little bit of that, but don't put her back down at entry level to the Marvel universe in the series because she earned and she owned in Wakanda forever. She got into that suit. She built that shit. She owned her role in this and she, got right into the fray she's rescuing people she's going down underneath the water and picking people out of the water bringing them to safety she was awesome uh in this and i really really hope that they just continue that trajectory when that series comes out um instead of kind of going back to basics with her because i i think that she has a strong enough presence in this movie to take the ball and run with it in that series i thought you were gonna go to the don't peter parker her Uh, i mean either you know either way Um, i kept saying to um this is outside the realm of of wakanda forever but we saw the quantum mania trailer uh ahead of the movie right before and they show that scene of kang and uh scott making a deal of sorts where kang is like i need your help with something Ant man will you help me and he's kind of standing there and i leaned over to her and i said they better not star lord him in this movie that he ends up making a mistake by helping kang or doing whatever whatever it may be and then that mistake rings out through the next phase like that's going to be the catalyst for what comes next is that bad mistake that he makes. They better not Star-Lord him. He knows better than that. I,
1: I think I, I think that the phase four... I, I don't think anything about that. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think... I, that's, that movie is crazy. I'm really interested. I think the you were saying phase four. What is phase four? And um, I was thinking a lot about that after I watched Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And it's funny because phase four, the Kang stuff, the the, the upcoming Secret War and, and Kang Conqueror, blah, blah, blah. That really starts with phase five, and that starts with Ant-Man, absolutely for sure. And I think you got a little bit of it with Loki, absolutely, too. But the rest of phase four, you think, starts with, with WandaVision. And uh, it's, about, it's about that transition after intense... Loss, like every movie is about that it's about coming to terms with who you are it's about coming to terms with who you are in this world it's about dealing with loss it's about fear of being inadequate like every one of these movies is dealing with that transition and phase four was uh, absolutely and and phase four very much is a transition away from thanos and infinity war and into kang and what's coming in phase five but going back to Aaron's original comments, you almost have to make these movies. So for all of the kind of like opining, which we have done on this show as well, like what is the what is the overarching arc? I can't see the arc. I can't see the saga. I don't know what we're getting at here. Now that it's done, and I look back at the even starting with Black Widow, like going back to the original Black Widow, it's like who am I in this world? Like, it, 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 like it's it. All of these movies had to be made to both. Help the characters that are still left move on, and to 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 populate this world with characters who are going to help us move on.
0: Right. No, we keep like, adding characters. That's so
1: really. It's, it's love and thunder. That's really it's what, what the Phase of, Four. This,
2: yes, absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's really what Phase Four has been. And and I, look, I get it. It is a transition, and if you look at it piece by piece, it does feel aimless, but now that it's done looking back on it, I think that that stands. I think it's helping the characters that are left move on and and helping us find new places to put our hats uh, so that we can move on as well. So I, I really think Phase 4, I'm going to look back on fondly, you know, especially like WandaVision is in there, you know, like I love Love and Thunder, Shang-Chi, you know, like there are movies in here and TV shows in here, She-Hulk, you know, like even She-Hulk is about that to some degree, like I'm feeling inadequate and how do I move on from this, like there are things in all of these Phase 4 films that I I'm taking away and now we're going to get into our big punchy universe spanning saga with Kang and it's going to be amazing because Jonathan Majors is in 97% of the movies that are coming out in the next five (laughs) years um he must be Kang the Conqueror Mm -hmm. yeah like he must be Kang because he could just like time displace himself to to film all of these movies I was watching Mm -hmm. the trailers and Jonathan Majors was in like four of them and I'm like how well how did this happen um he's great don't get me wrong very handsome um (laughs) But you know, it's it's I I I I think that Black Panther: Wakanda Forever really made it made sense for me as to what we were doing here.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Anything else that they want to say? I'm sure I'll think of something in the middle of the night. But you know, <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, speaking of losses, oh. we have uh, two. Little, uh, not little, major bits of, of news. Uh, I don't like to end the podcast on a sad note, so let's maybe make this a bit of a, a celebration of life instead. So, we had two uh, significant comic book creator passings this past week, and um, I uh, just want to get my notes out here just for a second. Bear with me. Ch-ch-ch-ch. Uh, Legendary artist Carlos uh, Pacheco had passed away at the age of 60. Comic book artist, um, obviously a great presence in the comic book community uh, whose passing has affected a lot of people uh, this past week. And we just wanted to extend our sincere condolences to his family and friends and fans.
2: I mean, he worked for Marvel and DC on all the major books. Uh, muscular, yet still a personal style. Steve, you may not remember, but he drew Fantastic Four 54, which is the birth of Valeria.
0: I just came across that the other day when I was doing my uh comic book yeah. purge.
2: He's someone who... Maybe wasn't noticed as much as some of the big names, but boy, if you had a, a Carlos Pacheco book in your hands, you knew you were getting an awesome read. He'll be he'll be very well missed.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and the other uh, bit of news that we have, sadly, is Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, of course, is the Voice of Batman in many, 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 many films and Batman the animated series. He is also a comic book writer. He had the uh, the wonderful, wonderful story that DC uh, printed in their most recent. um, What was the title of that again? Anyone? uh, Yeah, DC. It was DC Pride, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, Yes. it was. It was D, It was. It was DC Pride. I'm trying to remember the, the name specifically of the story. It's funny. That's what I was thinking. You're in right. my own article that I wrote for him, it's in there. It is not in this one that I'm looking at here. But he was the voice of Batman on Batman the Animated Series from 1992 to 1996. Uh, 60 different productions spanning 15 films and 400 episodes of television as well as video games. Uh, He was also a fixture of the comic book convention circuit, had a just a wonderful reputation for for being kind and patient and just a joy to be around. And for me, I'll just say real quick, I mean, Batman, the animated series, I'm a I'm a a 90s kid, I guess I born in 81 and, you know, kind of coming into my own around the time that Batman, the animated series came out. There was not an afternoon after school that existed without Batman, the animated series being on my TV every single day, Monday through Friday, and sometimes during the weekends. Uh, I own all the box sets. (laughs) I have seen that many, 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 many times. And he is an absolute legend um people are always saying you know oh who's your batman and i've always said michael keaton and of course mr conroy are are my my batmen um of my childhood and all the way up until today i will miss hearing his voice and i will miss i I, i'm sad to know that he's not out there making people smile and and he will he will be missed Uh, does anyone else want to say anything
2: I, uh, it's a sidebar sort of story. I may have told it on the air before, but about four or five years ago, I happened to be at lunch and missed getting to talk to him on the phone as he called my store looking to buy stuff for a movie he was making.
0: Oh, yes, I remember this. It's like, uh,
2: I, I mean, Angela knew who he was. Or, Do you know who I just talked to? I went, uh, No. Kevin Conroy, it was Batman. And I heard his voice on the phone. Went, and he didn't call me. Let <laughs> I me mean, come over and do a conference call. It's like, oh. Uh, he was, as she described it, just absolutely a mensch. Just uh, didn't pull celebrity, just, just identified himself as, hey, I'm making this movie and I'd like to buy some uniforms and so on and so forth. And again, anyone who saw those animated shows, You've got to put him at the top of the ladder, right at the top couple of rungs. With, with who is bat? Who, who is your Batman? And he got to play it. Li- well, he got to play Bruce Wayne live once in the CW Crisis crossover. Uh, did you get mm-hmm. to see that one? Right where he's. I, I'm not spoiling anything, but he he's an older Bruce, seen a lot of stuff, done a lot of stuff. And it was the weight of every one of those hundreds and hundreds of episodes of the animated series informed what he did. Brilliant actor, not, not the least bit stagey, just personable, just personal. Brilliant, brilliant work. And as you say, he'll,
0: he's the guy. He is the guy. He was roommates with Robin Williams. Really? Yep. He went to Juilliard. And uh, alongside Christopher Reeve. And uh, Christopher Reeve and, and was roommates with Robin Williams, it says.
2: That I do know.
0: Yep. Yeah, he did dude. a lot of uh, soap opera stuff, too. Search for Tomorrow and Another World. He was on Cheers, Murphy Brown, Spencer for Hire, Matlock. Well, everyone was on that line. <laughs> yeah, so. He got around, though. Yeah. It's a shame that um, they're, I mean, they, they're working, or supposedly they're still working on that new Batman animated series, Bruce, Tim, and everyone for uh-huh. HBO Max. Uh, I would imagine, I think he was supposed to be a part of it. And, you know, of course, now that's, uh, that's no longer going to happen, which is such a shame. But, um, I mean, he's... He is the Batman. Like when I when I think of when I hear Bat, when I read Batman in the comics,
2: it's Kevin Conroy. in my
0: head. It's it's Kevin Conroy's Batman voice that comes out when I'm reading, and Agreed, Mark Cavill's Joker. Joker. He, yes, 100%. yeah, percent. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't that the down.
2: greatest legacy you could leave?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else wanna wanna jump in here?
3: I mean, I'll just say briefly. He he was literally because of that the voice of a generation of nerds. Um you know, yeah. the better here best heroes in the you know in the DC universe, part of the Trinity. He is that identifiable voice. So I think that's a mark to be left and respected and honored. So
0: yeah. That's we'll true. Well, love and respect to both gentlemen and uh safe passage to the great hereafter. What books are we looking awaits. forward to? <laughs> 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 what was that, Bob?
2: Valhalla awaits for both of them.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, let's talk about some books that we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what are you picking up?
2: Harley Quinn, The Legion of Bats, number two. We got Stargirl nice. with some Justice Society stuff going on. We have a World's Finest this week. A Catwoman. She-Hulk. Vell, Namor, number two. A Cap Winter Soldier special feature single issue thingy going on. So. Dang. Lots of big books this week for me, and I don't do much anymore, but this is a big Look
0: one. It. I was going to say, Bob's eating well this week. Yeah,
2: No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'll be buying <laughs> comics instead. Chicken Nuggets Abs- at
0: Burger King. That'll be going on. Roll roll the comics up and eat them like a burrito. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, Aaron, what are you possibly maybe I thinking think, uh, about reading? World's
3: Finest, Immortal X-Men, number eight uh i think there's a blade vampire nation number one or something there is out. and the Stargirl the lost children number one yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then gcpd number two prodigy five and there may be a star Wars number three coming out from steve Orlando after like oh. three or four months
0: sweet so not so that's, that's that's in the pool uh joey you grabbing anything
1: Uh, i didn't look at anything but some interesting things were just mentioned so i might grab some of those okay
0: uh for me it's really weird saying these dc books when i'm reading them on the app but um i hate being a month behind especially when we do lightning rounds but here goes uh batman one bad day mr freeze number one's coming out catwoman number 49 nightwing 98 star girl the lost children number one world's finest number nine and there was like two or three others uh that i'll probably throw on my list especially harley quinn uh on the marvel side of things i have demon wars shield of justice peach momoko Ah. uh she hulk number eight coming out can't wait for that uh on the indie side i have above stakes number five I hate Fairyland number 1 oh, is coming
2: yes, out. That's right. It revert.
0: Revert re- yep. reboot. Well, reboot. Is it? I guess I kind of wish that they'd given it a different title. It seems weird to just call it I hate Fairyland number 1 again. It, like Return to Fairyland might have I don't know it, whatever. What do I know? Return to about
2: Oz 2. Yeah.
0: I'm sure I'll love it. I probably should keep my mouth shut. Uh there's a new book coming out Chroma number 1 that I'm going to check out. Parker Girls number 3 from Terry Moore, Shirtless Bear Fighter 2 <gasps> number 4. Uh something is killing the children proper uh, number 26, 10,000 Black Feathers number 3 and uh Voyages Voyages. I don't know. There's something something V O Y A G I S is coming out from Image. I'm going to go check it out. It has a really really cool cover and it's one of those like single creator writing art coloring all all the things books and i haven't seen the interiors but just from the from the cover i'm like oh i'm gonna at least check that out so those are my books coming up this week and i believe that's going to do it does anybody have any closing statements they would like to share before we get out of here nope nope okay joey nothing don't wake them okay he's, he's already he's already sleeping we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast as always you can send us your comments or questions or suggestions for me for rearranging all my shit uh through our email podcast at talking we are also on twitter for now at talking comics unless that whole thing implodes uh nope, any day now uh bob where can our listeners find you
2: Old-fashioned email, so you don't have to worry about Twitter. Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com.
0: See, Bob's got it figured out. Uh, Aaron, where can people find you? Nope, I'm jumping the Twitter ship. Hit me on Instagram, AJAMS70. Ooh, Joey. Uh,
1: I also officially deactivated my Twitter account. Uh, You can find me at Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com.
0: I hardly tweet these days but i do have to keep my account open for work until it gets shut down inevitably but if you want to find me on instagram on both i am at dead underscore anchoress Ronwen is at shiny baby b john is at john p burkle and chris is at the myth of psyche so thank you so much for listening and be excellent to each other and until next time on the talking comments podcast To be (laughs) continued.